Reach for the sky, boy. What's up, my dogs? Let's get a little oozy in here with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show, if you're new, in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over shows to come and do some, uh, you know, reviews for stuff, not shows to come. I fucked up that whole entire thing. I've been doing it a long time and I never mess up right now, so if anyone's listening... Just get off my back, all right? We do reviews for shows that we already listened to, which we're going to be doing today, uh, talking about the Elimination Chamber. Of course, like I said, I can't do this without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. I fucked up the intro, Chris. I fucked it up. That's fine, man. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> um, <laughs> that shit still makes me laugh. Hey, uh, it's a weird week at work pretty busy overall i did get to watch pretty much everything i think i don't know that i missed anything i didn't see the entire muda retirement card but did see most of the highlights from that including one hell of a fucking okada match but uh how was your week buddy what did you been getting into i really need to go back and watch that i completely blinked out on it uh before we Go into talking about me, which I always love to do. Just kidding. Um, specifically, did Muda... I thought he hurt his hamstrings or he pulled something in that match uh, that he had with Sting and Darby. Was he able to have that match with Naito? Yeah, he was able to have the match with Naito. They had Fujinami there. They had uh, Chono. They, I mean, they, it was like wow. the they kind of brought in a ton of New Japan legends around the ringside. Um, Tanahashi was there, I think, on Japanese commentary. Uh, him and Naito had a great match. And Muda did a lot of moves, kind of giving shout-outs to other New Japan wrestlers, which I didn't expect. And uh, for a... I, I don't... Do you care about... Well, I mean, you know what the finish of the match was because it was a retirement match, but the uh, the storyline towards the end is Muda is going up for the moonsault to kind of finish it out. And he gets up to the top and he realizes... I just don't have one left in me. He climbs back down and they wrestle for a couple more minutes and he's like, fuck it. And he goes up to the top and he's going to hit the moonsault. He just steps back down from the turnbuckles and Naito ends up beating him, gets the pin. Uh, All the legends come into the ring, kind of wish, you know, uh, Muda goodbye. And he walks up the ramp and kind of slowly looks back to the ring and walks away. It was very emotional. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are going to have this in their match of the year. It's, it had very much the Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels type vibe to it. I think Naito was the perfect person for the very last match send off. The crowd was really fucking hot. They were letting them cheer and clap and scream and lose their minds, which was awesome. Um, it, it felt like very well produced as a show overall. So I definitely, if you're a fan of Muto and you, Want to see the one last match? This is uh, this was one hell of a way to go out, and uh, the fact that he was working with two pulled hamstrings, it was a really great match. It's uh, they did a lot of, let's say, ground wrestling just because Muto it was is severely limited even more than normal. But uh, Naito's fucking great, so it worked out fine. It was a good match. 
what a way to go out. You get to have your last singles match, and the WWE works with you to be able to work with Shinsuke Nakamura for the first time. Uh, then you have your last match as Muda with Sting in Derby with three legends across from you, um, with Takushi and and you know, it, and now this 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 send off a whole pay per view where Pro Wrestling Noah, DDT, New Japan, obviously all all of them came together to give a final send off to Keiji Muto, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, and, and like I said, the storytelling in the match, like the going up for one last moonsault, kind of like ah, just knowing he couldn't do it anymore, like accepting his fate is, I just can't fucking do this wrestling shit anymore, kind of was just really kind of, it's sad, but at the same time, it was great fucking storytelling in the ring and um, a good send off to an absolute fucking legend, someone who's in the Hall of Fucking Awesome on our show. And uh, yep. I don't know. Is he in the WWE Hall of Fame? I can't remember. I think he's in the Cauliflower Alley uh, Hall of Fame and the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Um, I wouldn't be surprised since they did it the year that you, uh, Jushin uh, was retiring that he might be a part of this upcoming Hall of Fame. Because he should. I understand it's very similar. He's never been in any WWE match, but they own WCW and the whole history of that. I think it should be, you know... I mean, it's he's the biggest fucking Japanese legend of all time. Arguably. And I mean, yeah, and they have an international wing, and they have an international wing in general. But I would say he was also, you know, he's a technically a part of NWO. Um, yeah. So he te- he should technically be in there twice if we're splitting hairs here. But uh, just a, him and Sting's feud alone in WCW is big enough, I think, for him to be in the Hall of Fame. And him and Flair. Uh... Yeah, when he first came in, uh, when he was talked about being the great Kabuki's uh, son. Uh, gotta love wrestling, like I said, for the uh, lore. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, just an uh, incredible wrestler. Um, but I'll have to check that out. It, it, between that and I want to see a little bit of No Surrender, because I heard that Masa Slamovich and uh, Mickey James had a tongue-biting um uh, a tongue biter instead of a nail biter. I'll just leave it at that. I saw a gif and I was like, what the fuck happened in that match? But um, So I haven't seen any of that show. So I guess I haven't watched it all. Um, you know, it's, it is hockey season as well. So outside of wrestling and hockey, it's been, uh, that's pretty much been it for me this week. Wrestling, hockey, yep. catching up on podcasts. I have been watching that new Picard. Uh, Worf showed up. Spoiler alert for anyone out there. That's fucking awesome. Wolf. So if you're Star Who's Trek, Wolf? Well, if you're a is Star a, Trek fan, it's is he a awesome. wonderful person? I, I I'm a huge fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, it's a pretty good, Patrick Stewart. Uh, it's been you. a pretty good, uh, pretty hot start to the season. Honestly, you, you, there's uh, some returning characters outside of of whatever, but there is a lot of uh, pa- Patrick Stewart and. God, now John, Jonathan Franks, uh, Lieutenant, you know, number one, Reichert, uh, in, in, uh, Picard have been doing a lot together this first season, all three episodes. They're kind of running it back. And, uh, See, this that's, is the last, the last of it. So that's awesome, man. Because, I mean, as far as Star Trek, I, I, I had a phase of Star Trek. I even watched a lot of the old stuff. Uh, but I love the next generation. Uh, and I, I've always wanted, it's like X-Files, since I kind of didn't get to see all of it together. I just saw, like, week 
some weeks. Like I've always wanted to go back and watch the next generation from start to finish. And then seeing this kind of like maybe even just go directly into that. But that's a large commitment. That's a lot of fucking episodes. It is. I think that there's some compendiums out there and things that are like, here are the must. It's kind of like Dragon Ball Z. Like, here are Mm -hmm. the must watch episodes to kind of get you into the lore if you don't want to watch all of it. But I will say there's not really. I mean, there's some dragging episodes of Star Trek Next Gen, but for the most part, it's a fun series. You know, just knock out a few episodes at a time. I, it's worth going back to. Me and my wife rewatched it. Uh, we watched the entire thing about a year and a half, two years ago, and then we kind of watched a bunch of episodes here and there. Uh, it's it's a fun show. It's worth going back and watching. The uh, How many seasons uh, and usually how many episodes per season? God, uh, I think they were on the 24 episodes. How many, uh, let's see. I want to say they did the 24 episode thing. They're kind of, they, the TV series in general in itself, like getting casted after those uh, the Star Trek films is a little weird because it went into syndication first mm. uh, before ever actually falling on a network. So I'm not sure about all of the season's links, but they did eventually get up to 24 episodes. I mean, the show won Emmy, uh, It's uh, it's a different show. If you like, there's there's always a tor- there's always a tear between fans of the original series versus fans of the uh, Star Trek Next Gen. I fall if I'm gonna watch a show, I'd rather watch Next Gen. As far as like who is my captain, I prefer Captain Kirk because I, uh, you know, he's more of a wartime captain versus Picard is more of a diplomatic captain, and I you know feel like a wartime captain personally. <laughs> To me, it's. I think that Star Trek, the original, and I mean, I'll admit I haven't seen it in a long time. It just has it. It doesn't age as well. Um, it's fun. It was fun sci-fi, but like Lost in Space, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of like another show to that caliber. Even the '69 Batman, obviously way cheesier, but like to me, the the the. The next generation just it was much more into realism, politics. Um, they went over a lot of fucking shit. Um, you know, discrimination, using aliens as a way to kind of like take place for a storyline like that. And the cast was and I, I mean, like I said, I I love uh William Shatner, but um <laughs> I don't know. Picard is wonderful. He's a he's a great guy. Looks just like Charles Xavier. Yes, uh, it, it's funny you say that because when you when you think about Next Gen and uh, X Men in general, there they are. There's a lot of similarities. Oh yeah, uh, to some of the storytelling with Gene Roddenberry and um, and and Stan Lee, as far as those yep. character creations and what he eventually wanted the world to be. With Next Generation, the idea is every that they're just trying to be diplomatic and keep peace and. Uh, you know, spoiler alert for anyone out there that doesn't know this, Q kind of shows up and shifts them into a future against the Borg, and it kind of throws everything into a fucking tailspin, and that's that's real, that's kind of it's kind of, uh, Q's fucking awesome, he's also in Picard, so if you haven't watched that, you should definitely go check out the Q episodes, um but yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking great, the trial of of Picard in, in in the Star Trek fleet that has still continued all this time up until basically until now, I guess, 
uh, with Picard, but it's uh, it's been interesting. That's kind of the only newer thing I've watched. I might check out that Megan movie today because they threw that shit up on um, Peacock. It's on the cock, so I might check that out today. But uh, outside of that, man, it's been just lots of hockey. The New Jersey Devils are kicking absolute ass. They're three points back in first place. And uh, they just beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Fuck the Flyers. Uh, 7-0. <laughs> so it's been a good time to be a Devils fan gearing up for the hockey playoffs. In which, uh, cheap plug here, Skates the Throats will be coming back uh, with my co-host uh, Dakota Lashak and Keegan Costello. And uh, Keegan is a New York Rangers fan. First round of the playoffs is pretty much set in stone. It will be more than likely the Devils versus the Rangers. And as a Rangers fan, as a Devils fan, the New York-New Jersey rivalry, we're going to be doing whole shows about that. So that'll be coming up in the near future. Well, hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, Trying to think. I finished Parks and Rec. Thought it was very charming, like the show in general. Um. Obviously, like it's it's hard hard to compare anything to The Office, but since it is the same creator, I thought that it was really good. But you know, nothing uh, to me at least will touch The Office as far as that platform. More so than Thirty Rock, uh, Parks and Rec. As we go on and on and on and on, but good show, uh, really fun. Ron Swanson is one of the best characters of all time. I'm uh, convinced, and I wish he was my friend. And technically, if we were friends, he wouldn't really be my friend, but he would, you know, give me a speech to walk around that whole entire concept. But uh, Nick Offerman's fucking awesome. Yeah, I could never get into Nick Offerman or Parks and Rec. I'm just, I, I don't know. There's something about the guy that bothers me a little bit. Same thing with the uh, the new series, The Last of Us, which I didn't play the game, so I don't have the affinity for for it as a lot of other people. But there's just something about that guy that I'm, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I am with actors. If you either, I either love them or hate them. And so I don't have like an in between a lot of times, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should go back and give it a rewatch with your, uh, let's see, glowing, glowing review there. But uh, as far as like a new show, that's kind of like the office. I, I don't know if you've watched any of American auto, but it, it's uh, the same producer that did Superstore. That's been a pretty fun comedy something that i don't recommend watching for anyone out there is that fucking young rock this shit is terrible i keep watching it but <laughs> it's awful <laughs> just kind of like hate watching it at this point um i invested i've already invested into two and a half seasons so it's like at some point i, I get to the point where i'm just like fuck it i'm gonna finish it regardless and i'm kind of there with that 70s show because we're now creeping into Season seven, so Ashton Kutcher's about to be gone, and uh, Eric Foreman's character, I can't think of the guy's name. He's on a new show that's actually pretty funny. My wife's been watching, too, um, that I can't think of the name of right now. Uh, he was Eddie Brock in Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire Topher Grace. Yeah, Topher Grace. Uh, he's leaving in season eight, and then they bring in a new character, and kind of Hyde marries a stripper. Spoiler alert, Hyde marries a stripper, and the, the whole show completely shifts on its head and gets really terrible. So I'm like, do I... Am I going to hate watch this last season or I'm going to be like, fuck it and just finish it off at season seven, knowing that I've already seen this show before and just leave it at that. So you probably do want to do that because it does get pretty fucking weird. Uh, the last two seasons, um, especially the last season until the last episode where they kind of bring it all together again. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that 70 show. Great show. Try to think like. Before we go on to wrestling-related stuff, anything else 
I did Parks and Rec. I already said that. Last of Us. Uh, I, I like the show, but you know nothing. Really want to get into detail about. I haven't seen that many movies either. I guess I'm just been a boring fuck. Um, yeah, have you watched well, any of these no uh, AME of... shows? Any of the WWE stuff I have not watched. I, I, I can't. They have this like revisionist fucking history of what actually happened, and I even more so than Dark Side of the Ring that makes it very hard to kind of get behind. It's probably also part of my problem with the Young Rock and the way that some of these timelines don't line up at all. Um, but no, if not, if you're talking about the WWE A and E shows, I haven't the even NW watched that Flair documentary. Which which documentary? They, I mean, WWE put out like a three-hour documentary of Flair on Peacock yeah. that I haven't even watched. I haven't even watched that. I'm like, I don't know how much more you can tell me about this subject at this point. Um, I don't know. Maybe these newer A and D shows are a little better than what they were doing previously. Like the the rival, like the the biggest heels with like Stephanie McMahon's episode and some of the they have revisionist history on all this shit. It's kind of more of my problem with some of the WWE stuff. Well, yeah, they they they, they produce it. What do you expect them to do? Um, yeah, I know, but like you know, ESPN produced this stuff, but they don't mind shitting on how bad their company was during certain times. Um, well, I, I enjoyed the MWO, and I really enjoyed the rivals with Hulk Hogan and Andre. You get to kind of get to know their relationship from the 70s and on. They're actually honest about the fact that Hulk and him locked up many times in the AWA and various places in Japan and shit uh, way before the WrestleMania 3 match. And actually, it's kind of cool. I watched them out of, out of order on purpose, Chris. Because if you watch it, it's basically like a Hulk Hogan documentary from the 70s all the way until the 2000s. Because the NWO obviously <laughs> is about Hulk Hogan past him being, you know, Hulkamania and shit. So uh, definitely revisionist history. Um, a good deal, but a good deal of honesty as well. Uh, the only one still full of shit the most uh, is Hulk Hogan. So what, yeah, the, Hulk, what are you going to do, brother? No, Bischoff in general. Now, Jim Cornette even uh, noted on um, on his last episode, Bishop admitted to a lot more shit on it uh, than he has ever before. But Hulk Hogan just uh, he's he believes in whatever the fuck he believes. There was something that he was caught on that was complete bullshit. I don't know. I don't know. Like the question is like. Has it been so long that he's starting to believe his own bullshit at this point? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and like, uh, well, I mean, we also, like, so Hogan, he's been wrestling. He wrestled for, like, a thousand years. Like, does he have, like, CTE? How, what, is, what is Hogan's mental mental capacity? I heard he was, like, uh, talking about joining the Church of Scientology recently or some shit. Oh, Jesus so. Christ. We don't really... I don't I don't really know. I mean a good you know, they did the Monday Night Wars documentaries not that long ago and there's just two episodes that are fully on NWO. I don't I'm kinda curious on how much of that they recycled. You know, the big difference being that, you know, Scott Hall was alive when they were able to do those interviews and they had to pull a lot of his uh older interviews for this basically. Sting's in it too, and it looked like it was recent, which was weird. Uh, and they go over basically that whole fuck up at the end of the damn sting run. Uh, you know, oh, the, the Bret Hart 
coming in and counting the pin, even though he's not an official referee, and then Sting technically or, drops the title back no, to Hogan. No, 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 you're, you're skipping over the biggest thing. The fact that Hogan basically told Nick Patrick, even though he's supposed to do a fast count and get fucked over, or Sting was supposed to get fucked over, told him to do a slow one instead. So he just looked like he lost. And then Bret Hart comes in, and they have all the stupid shenanigans on Monday Night Nitro. But, uh, you know, just... I love the Hulkster, but he's a very interesting individual. I, I really can't wait to see this new movie with Chris Hemsworth, because I think they're right now in... Um, uh, they're doing it. They're filming it right now, Chris. So it's going to be fun to see how revisionist the history is on that one as well. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a, I can't wait until they get to the who's in Hogan knows best years. <laughs> I'm kidding, but he, uh, his character just showed up on young rock and was giving rock some advice about Hollywood. Uh, and was talking about basically the, the quote of false ceilings and how you should push through that and, you know, become an actor because wrestling money's not always going to be there for you, brother, essentially. And I was like, oh, this guy actually portrayed Hogan kind of well. So, hey, anything that you can say about Hogan, he was one hell of a businessman, um, good or bad. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he understood shit like that. Uh, but anyways, um, hmm. I guess we should talk about wrestling, right? We're yeah, we had, a, we had a massive event in Montreal. One hell of a crowd, by the way. Good job, Bell Center and, and Montreal fans in general. It, the, the show, start to finish, one was booked really well. There was only one bad match on the entire thing, and that was mostly because they went with a fuck finish. And to me, that was the, the Lashley-Lesnar match. But outside of that, this is a fucking hot show with two good Elimination Chamber matches and one hell of a title match. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I thought the event was great. Uh, I thought that some of the matches uh, overdid themselves, honestly, especially the Edge and uh, Beth Phoenix versus uh, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley match. I thought that was actually a really good match. Um, and, I mean, Sammy and Roman. Roman, once again, being one of my favorite guys to see in a match because of how much emotion that he brings. Like, Ah, oh, God, like when he was slapping Sammy around and was like, I loved you. I loved you. You were in my family. You know, it's like, damn, this is getting personal. And the match itself was awesome. I know a lot of people were disappointed with the outcome. I kind of saw it coming, even though we talked about if they did go that direction. It, you know, they've been doing such a great job at storytelling. Get them to Mania and see what the fuck happens. And even if it's predictable, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I like the men's and the women's Elimination Chamber matches. They're both great. Everyone in those matches look good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, as far as the finish to the main event, I mean, would you want to just go through it, I guess, match by match, and then we'll get to the main event. I have a lot to say yep. about it. Nothing negative, because we that was both of our predictions. That's kind of what we assumed was going to happen if they went with the plan that they have for WrestleMania. Um, but like we were talking about, there were several ways to get a, a, around that and still give Sammy a huge moment in Montreal, which they didn't do. So we will uh, get to that match in a bit. What sucks is that, that, that stupid Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar match. I think I predicted Brock, but if not, I would have predicted this whole entire thing. I think you're right there with me too. You might've picked the opposite 
and predicted the whole entire thing. Uh, but Logan Paul showed up, thought he was going to. It wasn't on the uh, screen. He literally got involved, <laughs> which was awesome. Buckshot Lariat, I heard you talking shit about me on YouTube or on interviews. Why don't you say it to my face? And Seth looked bewildered. So that moves on, that storyline. But, uh, yeah, just um, – yeah, let, let's let's go over this. You want to do that, Chris? Well – yeah, real quick while we're on the fucking Paul brothers, Jake Paul's actually going to fight a legitimate boxing match for the first time in his career against an actually ranked boxer. I'm curious on what that's going to look like. Well, that could be definitely ammunition for uh, Seth Rollins, potentially. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to... I'm assuming that's going to fall before Mania based on these interviews that these two have been doing. And... Uh, Holy shit, the Paul brothers, if this doesn't work out for them, make them a fucking heel tag team. Or a heel yeah. group. <laughs> it's like this a heel guy, squad. This guy comes off like such a fucking dick in these uh, pressers for this boxing event coming up. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, I, just, I saw that. I saw some interview, like the, um, the conferences, like some press conferences that he was doing against the guy he's facing, whose name slips, slips my mind at the moment as not a huge, uh, but I love boxing, but I'm also not going to lie and say that I'm a, uh, I'm keeping up with the top 30 in each of these divisions consistently. No, we're but, fans of, you know, it's kind of like, I am looking forward to John Jones coming back. Uh, even though there's the issues I, I was watching compilations of the guy and I'm like, you know, for everything, it's like he's so fucking good. He, he was 23 years old when he beat Shogun Hua for the damn title. Youngest champion in history. Technically undefeated. I know that little asterisk with that one match. But, God, dude, if he did, if he kept himself together, he wouldn't have years off of his career. And that's what the biggest fucking thing is. So, and I, isn't, isn't also Connor coming back and having a match soon? My crazy yeah. I, I mean, they've been teasing it. I don't know if he's actually. I don't know when or if he's actually coming back. Um, you know, I, there was the tease of you know Fury saying he wanted to fight him or whatever. Wasn't that? Ugh. Did that come out recently? He's like, I'll fight you anywhere, insinuating that he would fight him in the octagon. I don't know that. Uh, you know, even though Connor could go to the ground, it's just like fucking. He's Fury's so big that I don't even know that that would matter. Even if you're allowed to throw kicks and stuff, I don't. I don't know. Well, that I don't that would know help him very much. I don't know anything about Michael Chandler because I don't keep up too much with modern uh, UFC. But Connor's actually going against him. Uh, all it says is the second half of 2023. So uh, that that will be his return since he broke his fucking leg in half. Uh, yeah, I mean, Connor is still ranked in the top 10, but he's lost his last like three matches. So it's that's been a point of contention. So this might just be a rehab match to push him up in the division would be my guess um, so that they can run back some of these other matches that he's had. Because, I mean, realistically, UFC, obviously, I'm not going to say the fucking entire thing is a work, but uh, it's, when it comes to like stars like Conor McGregor or Bones Jones, they tend they, they they tend to give them kind of rebound matches because they know it's going to sell pay-per-views if they can get them into a title title picture, which makes sense, you know. At the end of the day, it's a company, and they want to make fucking money on their 4.5 or $5, mil, $5 billion investment, the company that just bought them. Uh, yeah, ESPN, Disney, right? 
Um, yeah, uh, and here's the problem. I mean, look at John Jones and Conor McGregor. They're the previous generation. Uh, they don't really have a lot of stars anymore. So, and then kind of like whenever, and and I like Israel Adesanya, but like every time like someone kind of catches my eye, I don't know. They just they pro- they progress a bit down. Or or what was that? What was the kid? Uh, the Irish dude that um, Patty something. Uh, like a lot of these guys have like a lot of uh, potential. It just kind of I don't know. It's it's weird when you when you were a fan of the UFC from let's say circa two thousand five uh, to two thousand fifteen. So that like stretch. I mean, there was just so much. Uh, it, it, the energy's gone a lot, but I'm looking forward to John Jones coming back. Looking forward to Connor coming back, and maybe when I watch those cards, Chris, I will note some people to start paying attention to uh, for the future. Yeah, I would also note that you know, as much as this would probably piss Dana White and a lot of UFC fans off, the the biggest thing during that time period and what helps get a lot of these various fighters over that we're talking about is they had a weekly reality show, the ultimate fighter. Yes. One of the highest rating show rated shows on TV uh, week to week, which I think went a long way. I mean, there was a lot of stars, even people that never really made it in the UFC, for instance, but it still pushed people towards the product. And then when you have people like rampage Jackson and Tito Ortiz and, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar coming in was a huge deal. They, you know, they had at that point, they had the audience, the broad viewing audience that they don't necessarily have now. I think it's uh, it's kind of like wrestling in a sense, not to the same extent because they're still, you know, doing massive pay per views and shit, but to the extent of they've got they've kind of lost the average viewer, the person that's not like, like we were just talking about, the people that aren't going to keep up with like the actual rankings and listen to UFC podcasts and. Um, really dive into it. They kind of just more of their hard, hardcore set fans at this point. And they need someone like a Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey, a, a top celebrity fighter. And they haven't really found the next one. I guess the last one would have been Bones Jones, really, as far as must-see pay-per-view matches. Yeah, like Patty the Daddy and Israel Adesanya, they all showed potential and they're great fighters. It's just it kind of, I don't know, um, it's just a bit different. But uh, speaking of which, I, I, I remember this because my that's what my brain does. It's all coming back to me. Um, it's like there's a cloud in there or some shit. Um, there is a new Ultimate Fighter coming out, Chris. Uh, they're filming it right now. It should be out this year. And it's actually Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler uh, to build up to their fight. So they both are going to have groups. Uh, they're going to hopefully try to show us some new talents as well as getting Connor on a fucking reality show, uh, against someone, which I actually do know Michael Chandler. Now that I see his face, I'm just not as, like I said, as familiar with some of the uh, fighters today, but, uh, he definitely seems like the cool collective type. And, uh, we know that Connor's a fucking madman. Anyone that has no problem just belittling Nate Diaz a couple fucking feet from him multiple times, uh, crazy bastard he doesn't he doesn't give a fook chris <laughs> well that's entertaining is it going to be on actual tv is it going to be on some kind of fucking espn streaming service because i feel like you need to get this thing on like fox 
proper or you know, somewhere where it can be seen anywhere, uh, not just on like a ESPN streaming service, which is, I think, a big problem with their pay-per-view structure right now where they're running these things like almost every weekend with an ESPN Plus and then selling it on top of that. I don't know that that's the... Uh, I would be curious to see what their year profits look like after the last year of not really having one big pay-per-view. I mean, they had a couple of uh, a couple of big ones, but they didn't usually they didn't get their their huge money fights last year. Yeah, we're kind of used to. All right, well, let's get back to the elimination chamber, but uh, good stuff. And uh, remember, Connor, you're only in your early thirties. If you ever want to make the jump, once you're done. I don't know. Kind of built for this whole thing. Uh, yeah, the talk only about, problem is, is like talk about can, someone that he, takes aspirin. I was just gonna say the only problem with Conor McGregor is it would just be a labor of love for him because no one can pay him enough fucking money to make it actually worth his time. He's yeah, probably getting paid like he's probably getting paid like triple to do this fucking UFC huh. reality Chris. show. You know what I mean? No, no, I agree with you, but like, there's two potential people that probably could fork up a lot of money if they buy out WWE. One's ESPN through Disney, and then the other one's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> They'll throw whatever money if uh, if Connor, I think, wanted to come to uh, WWE. But that's a whole conversation that scares me because. Uh, hey, I, I, all I gotta say is, after all this is done, I, I still better have a fucking job. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's uh, we kind of got into that a little bit last week for people that missed the show where we talked about Vinny Vince and his nine billion dollar yes! bill and what what that would mean for Triple H if someone if a company buys it. So, oh lord! All right, but um, yeah, let's get to this women's match. Like I said, man, great match. Um, I actually, like I said before, I think all the women in the match and all the men in their match, had chances to shine. I mean, and I think both matches, everyone was in there before people started getting eliminated. So there was a lot more, basically spots, but like more highlights for each person. Um, first we had Nikki Cross and Liv Morgan. Then Natalia came. Then Raquel Rodriguez. Then Carmella. And last was Asuka. Great build up to that. I also just love the... Uh, you know, Car- Carmella, she's gotten better in the ring, but say what you want. She's good at being a chicken shit heel, and I thought a lot of that was displayed in here. I like Nikki Cross uh, as this crazy person. Uh, I'm really uh, – no one's talking about this, but what she said on Raw to Candice LeRae about, like, none of my friends are here. Remember, Eric Young left, and he's headed over to WWE, so I'm sh- I'm assuming this could mean that we could see him, Killian Dane, and – her as sanity uh there's other directions and i'm kind of scared by that statement but um she was good in it chris i just think everyone was good in it and yeah oscar won uh raquel looked like a beast you know but uh it's oscar and who's ready for oscar hopefully bianca Yeah, and uh, I kind of like flip-flopped on the who I would have win at Mania between Bianca and, and Asuka. I mean, I don't know that there's a reason to take the belt off Bianca yet. I feel like you could do it down the line, so I kind of flip-flopped on that. But yeah, Asuka looked great here. Um, Carmella is 
my favorite at doing absolutely nothing in the ring. <laughs> she should she should get a fucking award for like, hey, I'm gonna throw like five super kicks and do some pins, and that's it. She's like, I think she took like two bumps. So and just hitting of like, the whole entire time. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, that was some very smart wrestling as far as her fucking bump card goes. <laughs> uh. But uh, Corey Graves on commentary selling how scary Asuka is uh, in in relation to his wife uh, was pretty funny. And I think Natalia looks really good in this match. Uh, Liv actually had some spots in this match that were pretty good. She still is like one of my least favorite people to watch sell anything. <laughs> it just looks so goddamn awkward. I think I was messaging you <laughs> about it during the match at certain points, but it was a fun elimination chamber match. I think the right person won. I, that's your big mania match between Bianca and Oscar. So it's going to be fun to watch Oscar go on the path of destruction for the next six weeks to try to build her up and uh if she if she loses to bianca i don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing in the entire world but they've done a better a much better job with oscar and um kind of reviving her back to what she was in nxt and in coming into the main roster no completely agree with you one little nitpick about how she's displayed you know Just do the fucking mist, or if you want to be intimidating and not, you know, um, miss them right in the face, just blow the mist above your head like the Great Muda. I'm not really exactly liking the uh, green food coloring coming out of her mouth um, a couple times now to show intimidation. I think there's a better way of doing that. Kind of looks silly because everything else looks great, and I love Asuka. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. And also, do you think do you think Nikki Cross was referring to sanity? Do you think that all of her friends are gone? Do you think that we're about to see like, you know, Eric Young, Killian Dane, maybe even Alexander Wolf just come and destroy some people on a show with her? Or is that crazy of me to think? I, no, I mean, I think that's both both what we said last week is that that's what they should do. I think it'll rehab Nikki Cross. You can make her more intimidating and uh, gives Eric Young and Killian Dane something to do. And as we saw in Impact, you know, if you let Eric Young get the mic and he can become like kind of this weird leader of sanity and you have another tag team as well that you can throw into the mix. So I'm to- I'm totally and, down. And then that. eventually, eventually Killian Dane and uh, Bronson Reed can be a fucking badass big dude tag team like Vader and Bam Bam or the Natural Disasters. That'd be cool. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we, I want to see him. We fight. don't have enough big guy tag teams. Yeah, I want to see them fight, but I also would love to see him in a tag team. Um, yeah, this is a. It was a. It was a fun match. Oscar, there was one spot in the match I really liked, which was I can't remember. I think it was Liv that they put, like, uh, Natalia puts Liv in the fucking sharpshooter, <laughs> and Oscar's like, "Fuck it," it puts her in her finisher at the same time. I was like, all right, that's a fun spot. <laughs> and she passed out. So even though, you know, it's live, it made her look pretty strong in the process that she was like that, I guess, tenacious to be able to withstand pain from a sharpshooter and whatever, you know, ever like, like, like I also said, I think Raquel also looked great. Um, 
showed off a lot of her strength and uh she's a badass as well so yeah man uh good shit yeah so i mean with them doing stuff like that with Liv, now you have something for cal to do kind of on the undercard while you have all these title matches setting up if you want to you could have them viewed they kind of squared off a little bit in the elimination chamber um the one pet peeve i have in both of these matches is using the fucking pods so much yeah for various spots i'm not necessarily a fan of that yeah it's kind of just takes a little bit of the realism out um, if you want to do the the one slam through the pod but having like heels run through the pod and close the door on one side and open the door on the other side and then run like that kind of stuff is uh it's like cute the first time you see it but then when you see it twice in one night you're like yeah like, I don't know. it was a bit overdone i agree Shout out to Gargano, though, for taking taking that bump through the pod the way he did. It was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that's another MVP. Uh, and we're about to – we'll talk about that when we get there. Like, Johnny looked pretty damn good. Starting off with him and Seth was a smart idea. That was a fast-paced way. But before we get there, let's talk about the two other matches ahead of the men's elimination chamber. Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Less than five minutes was – I mean, they've had two really good matches that were fun and hard-hitting, and I don't really understand the booking logic in this because now we were presented SmackDown before Elimination Chamber. Bray claimed, made claims, and then it even gets more confusing with his fucking Funhouse stuff from last night or from, we're recording this on a Sunday from Friday night, um, that he wanted the winner. And I know technically Bobby won, but it was very, very unsatisfactory, I would say. Uh, basically, if this is going to happen, you would think that we want Lashley and Lesnar at WrestleMania, and this is just extending it. Kind of a dumb way to do it, but I get it. But, like, let's actually have the fucking rubber match now. Uh, even though technically Lashley now has a DQ win and also eliminated him from the uh, Royal Rumble. But still... That's what I want to see. And now, Chris, it sounds like we're getting Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar and Omos? The fuck happened? I don't, it almost seems like that they presented Lesnar with this idea to go against Bray Wyatt, and then he heard the outrage of the internet of how stupid that would be. And then he was like, fuck it. What if I just lose and you guys find me a different opponent? So they chose because Omos? I guess. I mean, you know, in the world of Lesnar, would you rather do that or be locked into a feud that, like, the the feud Lashley's locked into for six weeks with uh, that's a good point. fucking Bray? <laughs> I'd rather just have the one match beat Omos at Mania and move along to the next thing. Uh, someone pointed out on Twitter that, like, WWE's killed they killed Bray's push so hard by just lights <laughs> every time he every time he starts to get uh, over they start using these fucking lights i don't I, I mean bobby lashley just forced the you know the biggest monster in wwe to kick him in the nuts or tap essentially so like you're gonna put him in there against the fiend i'm supposed to be worried about that like i don't know entire thing's fucking fucking stupid at least if we would have gotten lesnar versus bray lesnar sellings would have been funny 
Yeah. But I could definitely understand why. I mean, I don't know if Paul got in Lesnar's ear or, or what. I could definitely understand him not wanting to work with Bray if that was the case. And that kind of seems like this match probably had a different finish and a different length and then it got switched. So I don't know yeah. if that shot up the ladder. A lot of people are saying, oh, this means Vince is involved. I was like, I don't necessarily know it means Vince is involved as much as like Brock Lesnar kind of gets to pick and choose what the fuck he wants to do at this point. Do you think that Brock Lesnar can F5 Omos? Yes. Wow, that, that's going to be a visual. you know. And honestly, here's the biggest thing. And I don't know if they want to do this, but if you want to give Omos a push, he could beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, you would think Brock would win, but I'm just saying he's definitely getting towards the end of his run. So who knows? Maybe Brock can get a good match out of Omos, and hopefully Bobby can have a good match with Bray. But uh, I would rather... <laughs> Or they I would have rather have fucking squash matches on night one and then face each other on night two. And we still well, get Lashley versus Lesnar. <laughs> they could turn this into a four way, though. That's another scary concept because Omos has unfinished business with Bobby Lashley. And Bobby Lashley kind of turned down MVP. And then, you know, I guess Bray and Brock. I, this this is it seems like a mess. So I I wanted Brock and, and Gunther or Brock and Bobby three at this. And uh God dang it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. So, I mean, I got to call out WWE when I, I think this is kind of bonehead. And uh, I don't understand the ending for this unless, like you said, they kind of had to wrap it up quickly to change it up because Brock decided no or whatever. But uh, where, where, where's where's Uncle Howdy in this? Are we going to get like maybe like like Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin against Bo Dallas and Bray or uh, I don't fucking know. Well, I mean, you could, you could do the situation of, I would fuck like you have Bobby come out and interfere in Brock or Brock's match. And then Brock comes out and interferes in Bobby's match. And then the fucking, yeah, you set up a tag match with uncle Howdy and Bray versus Bobby there's and so, Brock. There's so much great potential for some of the matches that are coming out of for WrestleMania. This is this is one that's like, all right, I guess we'll have to figure it out. I mean, I can't complain because our WrestleMania card has is gonna probably have John Cena most likely on it. Brock Lesnar, Roman in a blood feud. Well, this huge thing with Cody. You know, it's it's shaping up to be awesome, and it's two nights, but. Very interesting picks for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley <laughs> instead of an, an actual one-on-one -on -one match, Chris. Why not an elimination four-way? How about that? Prove the biggest monster between the four of them. And I mean, once we get there, they could, you know, it could still be that, right? Like, or, or not, maybe not even a four-way. I mean, maybe if they interfere in each other's matches, that sets up a four-way or something. But you could just do like, you know, Brock wins, Bobby wins, and then they fight each other the next night. Yep, it's two. It's two nights, so you could you could still give fans that match if you if they want to see Bobby Lashley versus Lesnar three. Problem is is Bobby's won the first two, so you would assume Lesnar is going to go over, and that might be why another reason why they're steering clear of that is they're like, well, we don't necessarily want Lashley to lose. Yeah. Uh well, we'll find out at Mania, but like I said, interesting way of going about it. Uh, next match, I think that both me and you. It's not that we thought it was going to be a bad match, but it ended up being, I think, better than, uh, you know, it's a mixed tag match. Those things can get weird and messy, but, you know, less than 14 minutes was still a damn good match. 
with Edge. You know, and I picked, I believe I'm the one who picked uh, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. But I did say that if Beth, you know, if Beth Phoenix and Edge won, that Finn was definitely taking the uh, the L. And that's what's happening. Uh, also, branching out from this, we, we got now closure, I guess, to an extent. Maybe we'll have another match in the future. But Beth Phoenix and, and Rhea both looked awesome in the match, especially squaring up because of their physical dominance for both sides of, of the spectrum. And uh, it looks, f- from what from what I'm, I'm gathering, another thing is that it's going to be Edge and Finn Balor, and they're going to use the Hell in a Cell uh, at Mania. And there's a good chance Finn Balor might be the demon. So uh, I don't even know if that fucking matters anymore ever since uh, the weird way they had the demon lose to Roman Reigns. But whatever. Maybe it's more he just comes out with face paint since he's basically Prince Devitt like he did in New Japan. But that's the rumblings I'm hearing. So uh, who knows if that's true or not. But the Hell in a Cell, that sounds like where they're going, Chris. Uh, Hell in a Cell, Finn Balor, and Edge, WrestleMania. Yeah, are they setting up Damien? I mean, well, Damien Priest was the one they had the promo against Edge. He wanted to... He was talking about how pissed off he was about Edge. Do they go back to Balor or do they go to Damian Priest versus Edge? Well, like I said, the rumor is Balor, but it could be Damian Priest. Uh, another thing, this is this is another thing that's kind of messy, is because there's also a rumor that Bad Bunny might get involved with Damian Priest since now he's a heel. Um, I don't know how much I really want to see that. Unless they were to combine things and make it Dominant Damian versus Ray and bad bunny but i think all fans would really rather prefer ray and dominic but maybe they're not you know willing to pull that trigger yet just for a one-on-one i guess yeah and and ray had a concussion that kept him out of mania so but he's been back since but i don't know if oh rumble you mean yeah it, it held him out of rumble is he back now is he good to go he had a he had a match with um a pretty damn Karrion good match with Cross, right? Yeah. So I think he's fine, but maybe that's a better way to extend him and Dominic, and then you get the celebrity thing in there. You know, Ray's the one who uh, taught a lot of stuff to Bad Bunny, and bring it back with Damien, and also I don't know. It's 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 an idea, but like I said, this is not a situation. I'd rather see Brock go against Gunther. I'd rather see Brock and Bobby. I would rather see Ray and Dominic and figure out something else for Damian Priest. Uh, possibly going against Edge. You know, Finn Balor can go against someone else. Not a big deal either. Yeah, they got to give your boy Damian Priest less lines to say with these scripted promos because uh, he he was fucking struggling. Yeah. <laughs> a few weeks he ago. He caught himself, but uh, yeah. What, what the hell did he say? I don't remember. He, but call, he called it Money in the Bank instead of uh, <laughs> the Elimination Chamber. But he was just and so then, frustrated. That's why. He, he was so mad at Edge. That's why. He just hates Edge so much. Fucking Finn, Finn like, kind of saved the promo a little bit. So shout out to Finn being the consummate professional. But uh, you know, the only thing about Finn is he hasn't won anything in a while. So it's kind of you know him versus Edge. I, the automatic assumption is Edge is just going to spear him and fucking pin him. Demon or not. <laughs> I, I would I would hope because of that factor, since Edge is not, you know, also once again, and kind of confirmed recently that, oh, no, actually at the, at the press conference for this afterwards, that he 
since he had some time off. I don't know if he got injured or what during that time period. I think he did get injured, and that's why they had to flip it. But that's kind of extending. He just wants to retire in Canada, but I don't think it's going to be at SummerSlam uh, like he originally But you kind of cut out there, buddy. Give Balor over and give him a big one at WrestleMania. Uh, if not, it's kind of pointless to have Finn have another loss uh, again. Um, well, if, if, Christian con- if Christian's contract's officially up, does he just wrap up at this next pay-per-view against Jungle Boy and then, you know, it's a tag match at Mania? Him and Edge versus uh, Balor and Damian Priest? That could be it, too. That could definitely be it. I didn't even think that. Yeah, Christian is presumed to be possibly up. Unless they tack on the time that he was out due to his injury, like they just did with Wait. Kenny. <laughs> yes. I am uh, I'm curious on on what that's gonna equate to because Kenny can make the argument that he was working for the company the entire time. I know. And they're saying that he's there until November. So get ready for next WrestleMania. Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega <laughs> in the main event or something. Him and hey, Cody, him and Seth Rollins. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because it's uh, – I, I, I don't blame Tully, like though. I don't blame him for attacking on time, but, like, what 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 is going on behind the scenes? Is Was he not yeah. planning on resigning oh, in general? Well, Chris, Chris, we're going to have a new reality TV show, third hour of Diamond, uh, Dynamite from now on, so we can get the inside scoop on stuff that happens – uh, behind the scenes, uh, all access. I'm very excited about this. That was an email, not a meeting, Tony. Fucking goddamn. I mean, I kind of like this if they're just building it up as like they're going to have FTR in there and the Bucks and then Punk's coming back in two months and the whole thing is like them being fucking pissed off at the company and that's the reality show. Like that could be good. Be interesting. That, that would yeah, be interesting. Let's see. You know, and that the thing is like a little bit of the fact that maybe Tony wouldn't think it would be that big of a deal, but also like WWE would never they would sterilize the fuck out of it. Like I love their twenty fours, but they're obviously, you know, keeping it easy. So who knows? Maybe we'll get an actual like and also that's a good thing for AEW when it comes to Turner, because they like them so much they're giving them a third hour, um, technically. So that that's also pretty good. And Adam Cole's coming back. The night they premiere this next month, so that's well. I mean, they're you know the follow up to fucking AEW was the slap fight thing, which was disastrous for them, and then the follow up before that was what Battle Bots. Yeah. So yeah, that's I'm gonna go on a limb and say AEW's reality show will probably keep more viewers around. Uh, Like that, the slap fight. The last episode dropped from like. AEW finished with like 900,000 viewers and then it dropped down to like 350,000 for the slap fight. So anything they could do to keep that audience around on their station, I'm assuming that they will do. I don't know that this is the way that I would have went with it, but um, it gives Tony likes to try to build seems seemingly build reality type feuds. And this is a reality show. So maybe it's just a way for them to build Feuds for their shows. Total Divas did uh, very well for for WWE. So did Tough Enough before that, before the Ultimate Fighter even. You know, the reality concept kind of goes hand in hand sometimes with wrestling because they're both a work to a certain extent. And, you know, 
Um, I don't think this is a bad idea. I just think the announcement just quit overhyping your announcements, man. That's that's the biggest fucking thing because I think a lot of people were thinking Ring of Honor since that's been the news lately or new signing, and I just think that he overhypes himself a bit. Um, that wasn't that wasn't a huge announcement. That there really wasn't. Um, I mean, who's left for him to sign the Motor City Machine Guns? Maybe like yeah. Jay White, like, I guess. I don't know. Jay, Jay, I, I was thinking it was either Ring of Honor or Jay White, but say if he didn't announce it then, I don't know that Jay White's coming into AEW. Which is interesting. Um, let's talk about this men's elimination chamber. Uh, I, think, fuck. I, think there was, I think there was more plans on whatever that announcement was and maybe some shit fell through. Maybe. I Like I said... That's an email that, you know, that that was a meeting that should have been an email sort of fucking thing. That's that's my biggest thing. Quit overhyping constantly because people are going to get over it. It just, it's not like, you can't, I don't know. Tony is a very interesting prom- promoter. Um, and I think he does a good job promoting. I really do. I, you know, especially coming up with cards, sometimes they're a bit all over the place, like a Pink Floyd song structure, like we joked around, or I joked around about last week. Um, but his booking decisions and some of the big, hey, watch my show. I got this announcement. It's all right. Gotcha. I'll, I'll tune the Rampage. Um, but I'm watching Rampage anyways, just like you. So, uh, I mean, he's almost forced himself into a situation where he needs to be some sort of on screen character with these fucking announcements. Uh, yeah, I love way, how he passes it to Adam Cole every time. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, we, how's it going? Uh, I got <laughs> someone else to d- talk. Am I talking loud? And then Adam Cole like pushes him out of the picture and is like, "Hey, <laughs> don't you like my voice? It's great." Uh, <laughs> you look like you put on a little bit of muscle, so that's good. Yeah, for yeah. Mr. Cole Bebe. Um. Yeah, so this is a good way to start out. First two people, Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, that's that's eliminated by. No, Johnny Gargano and Seth Rollins both started out the match. Uh, really good back and forth. And I love how Corey was like, I feel like I, he alluded to PWG, I believe. Like, I feel like I'm California back and blah, 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 you know. Obviously, these guys have worked on the indies, and I think they've squared up in the WWE just like one or two times for some type of thing. But cool having them go back and forth. Uh, you add in the champ, Austin Theory, uh, and then Damian Priest. And Austin Theory just, he got his ass kicked the whole entire fucking match. It's like, you know, he tried to get involved with these two, which he's had issues with. Obviously, a long history with Gargano and recently with Seth. So he kind of got his ass kicked with them and Damien gets in. So he tries to like, you know, million dollar man, his way into something like automatic, like we're the heels and like telling Damien what to do. And then Damien just grabs his ass and slams him. Um, but just good stuff, good heel work. And then we entered uh, after that Bronson Reed, who looked like a monster in this match. I was kind of hoping and I, I was like, it's it just does not make logical sense, but I kind of want it to happen of of Bronson Reed doing his splash off the top, um, 
And he did he did a splash, but it would have been interesting from that level. But he's a huge motherfucker. And then the last person in entering Montez Ford, who looked awesome in this match. I think he could be. I think he's my MVP because he was so flashy and fun to watch. I love how he tried to go for the people's elbow, but got taken out. Um, I remember seeing more recently the the Rock really put over Montez Ford, and I mean we all like him. He was my person. I I, I went with theory, but I said that there was a chance Ford could win this uh, just to shake shit up. But yeah, it comes down to theory and Seth Rollins, Chris, and. Uh, one part, Montez Ford really did. Great selling by Montez Ford. Looked like he hurt himself um, and rung his bell from getting a, a fucking stomp on the outside from Seth Rollins. Gnarly. So I really legitimately thought that he might be getting hurt. They got me. They got the medics in. They're getting him out. And who pops in? But Logan Paul gives, him, gives uh, good old Seth Rollins a buckshot lariat and a stomp. From himself, leaving him for dead for Austin Theory, and uh, basically saying like, you know, you want to talk shit, you know, why don't you say it to my face, sort of shit. After you already, you know, hit him from behind. But Logan Paul's great fucking heel, great reaction, not giving a shit about the booze he's getting from everyone. Uh, and he gets out of there. Seth gets pinned by Theory with the A Town down one, two, three. And I love the shot of like Seth on the ground curled up like what the fuck just happened i was winning what happened like not not having any clue like i thought awesome awesome elimination chamber i like both of them but this one i think had a little bit more to it especially with that ending and now austin theory looks like he's already talking about john cena in boston and where we're gonna be there in a couple weeks so i feel like we're definitely setting up that match and uh you know should be awesome, man. Austin, I think a lot of us see a lot of of Cena in him, and we know that Austin Theory's favorite wrestler when he was younger, which makes me feel old as fuck, is John Cena. So, you know, there's a little bit of, I've always said, there's a little bit of Styles, there's a little bit of uh, Randy Orton, and there's a little bit of John Cena packaged very well in Austin Theory. And I've been watching him, you know, since Southern Honor Wrestling, man, a couple of years ago, it's just fucking wild. Now he's probably going to be going against John Cena for the U.S. title. And once again, there's a good chance he's going to beat him just to, unless Cena wants to hang around, that's, that's up to him. But that will be a huge win at WrestleMania. It just And he was in Atlanta. Atlanta and fucking Cornelia, Georgia, busting his ass a couple of years back, man. Fucking crazy. He does have very much uh, early AJ Styles vibe to him. Yep, that's the that's the comparison I draw. If you go back and watch some of the early early TNAs, he's not quite figured it all out yet, but it's all there. You know what I mean? Like the in ring stuff, he can be a cocky dick heel. He's uh, he'll get there. I think that me and you both have said that this guy is a surefire thing, and uh, they've done a good job of rehabbing him after. They fell flat with his and Vince's storyline, which has nothing to do with what they were doing. Because I actually think that was an entertaining storyline with him being the golden child or golden egg or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, with him, you're my Vince, new but, son. Yeah, like that was uh, that was an interesting storyline that I think I'm gonna call one you one Triple Austin. <laughs> Triple Austin. <laughs> Triple A. <laughs> the wrestler. 
Um, I think I think I think he was great in this match. Definitely the MVP of the match to me was Montez Ford. Montez realized the fans were clearly behind Seth Rollins, so he just started working fucking heel, and I loved it. <laughs> he was like, "Fuck it." The fans are definitely not going to get behind me, which I don't think was the plan. I think that they thought the plan was going to be. When Montez came into the ring, he was going to get a huge pop. Everyone was going to be hyped. That's not what happened. They just continued to sing Seth Rollins' theme song. So you know what? He was like, suck it. Seth Rollins actually did do that. <laughs> and uh, kind of wrestled more aggressive, like a like the you know Nation of Domination rock a little bit, if you want to make the rock comparison, uh, to the point where he, yep. he teased the people's elbow and everything. And I was like, man, I actually kind of like this version of Montez Ford. And that sets up something with him and his tag partner down the road. He turns his back and, and joins MJ or not, I almost said MJF joins MVP or something weird like that. And kind of launches himself into the singles roster. Cause they see this guy as a singles competitor. Uh, yes. That's kind of, they, they've kind of already shown us that. So, you know, the tag team is probably not long for this world, which would mean a feud breakup type deal. And uh, maybe that's how you get there. But I think he was the MVP. That was a really cool spot where he kind of did the jungle gym flip over dive thing. You know, when you're a kid, you used to do mm-hmm. little flips on the jungle gym. Um, or I did, at least. And that's exactly what he did. But he landed on like six people. That was, that was cool. Bronson Reed looked like a million bucks here. Uh, I think it, they just think it's too soon to have done more with him in this match. And I think they're they're right on that. He needs to get some more smash, you know, some more smat like squ- squash wins and uh, beat some bigger opponents because you don't want him to just straight win this and then his follow up is they're still they still got Lashley and Lesnar out here till past Mania and and that makes Bronson Reed not look like that big of a guy. Honestly, if you put him side by side with like Lesnar and Lashley, he's not gonna look that impressive. So it's uh. I think it's a good it was a good start for Bronson Reed in, in this match. He had some good showing, but not nothing too crazy. Seth, million dollars as always. It was a fun fucking match. And uh I yep. didn't think that uh they didn't get me with the Montez thing because they left the fucking door open and I was like, okay, well here's the run in. But he did do a hell of a job selling it. It looked like he was dead. <laughs> so <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> So nothing against his selling. I just don't fall for WWE's bullshit when they leave doors open. <laughs> like, and I... yeah, uh, just just excellent stuff, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with a lot of these guys after this. Uh, Bronson, I don't know exactly what they're building to. I the the thing is, I like that it seems like it's going to be him and Otis in the ring against each other but then they're fucking putting months whatever the hell the maximum male models just so you can have otis fucking redo the chris farley thing basically the you know chippendales thing that's that's exactly what i think that's kind of dumb wwe comedy but um i kind of liked him squaring off against otis i i i kind of want to see those two guys just beat the shit out of each other that would be fun maybe uh i don't know what mania Give Bronson a tag partner and put him against uh, the two of them. That could be interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, Gargano, I think he looked great in this match. He definitely had some Johnny Wrestling chance. You know, uh, people do naturally like him. He has that natural baby face, Morton-ish charisma to him. He doesn't have to even say much. He just kind of, like, sees that. I talked about it last week. Either put the way together or when him and Ciampa... 
try to rehash some stuff with that. Um, and I think Chapa is going to be back in a couple months, so I don't know if it'll have to be after Mania, but I think that would help them. DIY is a really good fucking tag team, so there could be that if they are trying to build a tag division that's you know not as lacking as it has been in the past. Uh, Seth and Logan Paul's going to be really good. I mean, Montez Ford. I kind of, Chris, want to see him set to happen in a little bit after Mania. Him pick up that title from uh, either Austin Theory or I guess even if Cena wins it or whoever has it. Him eventually picking up that U.S. title and him and Bianca maybe making somewhat of a heel turn and being like the kings of uh, Monday Night Raw or some shit like that. Because I really hope that they do just keep the WWE title now as one. But we'll see what the fuck happens. Uh, but I think he would be a really great heel. And if he did a heel performance, it would turn him into even bigger baby face. Just like we're talking about The Rock. Uh, you know, And uh, honestly, his tag partner, he's gotten to a point where he's so damn fun to watch Ange- Angelo Dawkins in the ring. I think he has a really good chance of being a badass baby face. If you branch it off of this, uh, but there has to be, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, let it be like the new day. They don't have to break up technically. It's like, but that's not fun. I mean, let Montez become a good heel. They can use that to bounce off of. I think that's always it worked for fucking Sammy and 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 Kevin. It worked for fucking, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. It works all the time, actually. So uh, Sean and, and Marty. Well, actually, it didn't really work for Marty. So I'll just leave that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there can only really be one new day, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of a weird comparison because new day is, I don't know. Those guys seem like they go to each other's Thanksgivings <laughs> with the amount of love they have for each other. Oh, you know and they do. They, and they started out as a team to begin with, you know, like, uh, and they were heels and then overcame the odds and got themselves the fuck over. I don't know. Montez Ford to me looks like the guy, the guy you actually put with MVP and let him have like a heel run and give him a money in the like let him win money in the bank or something. That'd be a good opponent for Cody. Ooh, that would be awesome. I, I think that's a uh, he would be great in that role. I think he's good enough in the ring that he can have great matches with most of the top guys in that company, um, whether it be a Sami Zayn or a Roman or a uh, Cody. It'll be something fresh, and they need to build a new star, and I think he's a guy you could definitely get behind. He has a good look. He's good on the mic. If you put him with someone like MVP, I think you have a good manager there. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Dawkins. I think that you know they could still have their feud and have a big match and, and uh, build him up somewhere else afterwards. Yeah, you know, maybe like a future IC champion. Um, Something to that extent, I think that he could be a really good baby face. He lost a bunch of weight, and he was already really impressive in the ring for his size, and now he's doing stuff that guys his size should not be able to do. So he's he's good on the mic as well. Like I, I like Angela Dawkins. I got a picture with him uh, after an NXT um, show a couple years back. Seemed like a very very nice dude. You know, chilled with us for a second. Took some time to like you know, give autographs, Montez Ford and Bianca Belair, you know, they just ran on the bus, but whatever. 
I get it. I completely get it. I'm just kidding. But Matt Riddle and uh, <laughs> Angelo actually came out and hung out with us for a little while. Uh, Adam Cole straight up healed us. It was great. He had his fucking headphones on, and he just walked right past us. Everyone trying to like get his attention. He didn't. He didn't sell shit. I, I actually love that about it. But that was a while back. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always fun, especially if you catch them directly after an event where they're still in full kayfabe like that. But yeah, that's that's a cool that's a cool story. I mean, they could always put him in another tag team if you're going to go yeah. with the route of Otis is no longer Chad Gable's partner. Well, fucking Gable needs a new partner because they've already showed us they're not going to push that guy as a single star. So uh, maybe get American Alpha 2.0 or something. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. like that. I mean, there's tons of stuff you can do with the guy. I, he just he has a lower ceiling in the wrestling business than you know Montez Ford does. It happens. There's you know it's the same thing with Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy had to completely reinvent himself to become a top guy. In a yeah. different company. Sometimes that just happens. Years afterwards of still being <laughs> someone that everyone liked, but, you know, he, was, he wasn't he was Jeff Hardy, basically. I mean, when it comes down to it. And apparently Jeff is, uh, you know, he got, he got his sentence, but he also has been sober for, I forgot how long uh, Matt said. I think it was like 10 months or something like that. So stay strong, Jeff Hardy. Right, I, 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 I was, I was in the chat on Tom Clark's main event podcast. Let's check that out. He's, a, he's a good show. Um, and that, you know, the ten-year DUI suspension, license suspension came up, and I was like, well, it. When I met him a few months earlier, he was clean and then continued to wrestle. So. I'm not giving any excuses or anything, but this guy came back to AEW and then immediately started doing a ton of crazy dumb shit that he probably shouldn't be doing at this point in his career. And then Alla, Alla the uh, Darby Allen match. <laughs> yes. Have. I'm so glad we have that match. Back... I'm just not glad for their bodies from watching that match, actually. Yeah, if he comes back, I you know I would the top feud like we talked about last week. What I what I would probably go with would be him and Punk again. Um, I think that would be a good story with two big names that could sell a paper, sell pay per views. Yeah, but uh, he definitely does not need to be doing. He doesn't need to be doing like ninety nine two thousand or ninety nine to two thousand three Jeff Hardy type shit. Like. <laughs> He's got to, he needs to figure out a new way to work. He should work like Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy barely does anything dangerous unless he's going against Sammy Guevara for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Or, I mean, since he idolizes him, Sting. You know? I mean, Sting does a lot of normal, practical things and stuff like that. Still comes off larger than life. You can do a couple springboards to the outside, but just keep it, keep it simple, stupid. He doesn't have to do a whisper in the wind every fucking match. Like... He he's put a lot of miles on his body, obviously, like literally the fucking Swanton bombed Darby on the fucking stairs. Oh, couldn't believe he did that. Yeah, with Darby rolling out of the ring. So he just landed on a foreign object, essentially. He landed on uh, fucking metal stairs. That was a great idea. So, or, uh, yeah. 
and, not, and I'm not like, there's no excuses for driving around drunk, especially if you have the money that Jeff Hardy has, you would think off of these contracts and shit, get an Uber dick. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like no apologies there for his actions, but I'm just saying, I don't think that the guy is unnecessarily the best state of mind when he starts doing these crazy matches and you already have some addictions and you, you know, I wake up hard enough, like with fucking back aches and shit and I don't do any of the stuff Jeff Hardy does. So I can't imagine what his body actually feels like. So if he does come back, I would, I would love for him to find a new wrestling style. Um, you could still do the Swanton bomb and fit in your Jeff Hardy stuff, but maybe, you know, I know it's AEW and they try to do crazy shit, but, not everyone has to do that. Be more like John Moxley, less like the Young Bucks. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do understand what you're saying on that. Except for you don't have to bleed in every single match and try to throw better punches. Um, but yeah, put him, put him with fucking Jerry, like put him with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal for a while. <laughs> Come out a whole new Jeff Hardy. Southern, you could totally do like Jeff a. Hardy. You you could totally do like a fucking group and have their acronym be TNA or some shit. Um, just a fucking. Anyways, all right, last match. Thirty-two minute match. You know, Roman. You you gotta realize, like Roman does, like most of his match are legitimately thirty to forty-five minutes. Now he doesn't wrestle all the fucking time, but I think that's he's got that that Hulk Hogan-ness about him. That's a special occasion when you see him in the ring. And he's beaten fucking everyone. Over 900 days as champion. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and it, this was another great match. Uh, I, like I said, I know that people were upset uh, with how it went, but I kind of expected this. You know, you gave that hope spot where the ref got knocked down. Sammy doesn't know he's fucking pinned Roman at least 12 times. Uh, you know, or a count of 12, I should say. But no ref. So it gives him that. But I thought it was... Fuck, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a damn good match. I thought these guys kicked the shit out of each other. Um, I love that Sammy you know, went <laughs> early 2000s and speared Roman a couple times using his finisher against him. Um, and they're the, the, the biggest thing, someone's got to say that Sammy's selling is unbelievable. Like, this was very similar in aspects. I already used the Mick Foley, Triple H, or you could even corporate rock against Mick Foley uh, that time period. But also kind of like a Ricky Morton flair where it's just like he's not supposed to win, but you really fucking want him to win. And the selling is Morton level because Sammy is just when he looks like he's done, like just great stuff. I love the interaction with his wife and how into it she was. She made it that much more realistic. Um, I love that they got people involved that Jimmy had Roman's back, obviously. Jay was you know he he couldn't do it he couldn't pull the trigger he's getting slapped around a bit by roman and then sammy goes for a spear and he gets jay and everything that happened with jimmy last or friday night with jay being in the audience and him and sammy fighting in the ring and uh you know 
Jimmy being in the corner and having his attention to his brother and getting a halluva kick uh, out of nowhere from Sammy and the tension between the three of them and stuff like that. I love all this stuff. This is great fucking storytelling. Uh, I thought the match was awesome. I mean, they did everything. And, and like I was going to say, the, the fucking on two point fucking nine, you know, false finishes, just incredible. And Roman is really good at it. Um, just great match, man. Um, obviously, shit happens afterwards and, and Roman and uh, he wins. Um, from some, from, from some bullshit, but like, you know, Spear Sammy gets the win. They're beating the crap out of him. KO comes out. He gives stunners to everyone. Let Sammy give him a halloo of a kick. Paul Heyman <laughs> comes in and starts giving him the most goofy, stupid punches in the back. It's a stunner for his <laughs> worries. And, uh, we go out with the two Quebec guys in the ring. Stay. I don't know. At odds, obviously, Kevin went up the ramp, but uh, just awesome storytelling. And like I said, the follow-ups on Raw SmackDown, just adding more to the story, so that we're getting we're getting even more invested and, and hyped for is are we going to be getting the Usos and and uh, Sammy and KO, or are they going to switch it up a bit and Jay's going to side with Sammy? Like, there's so many possibilities with that. And then you also have Cody and Roman now and just fucking Paul Heyman being such a bastard. He, he doesn't need to talk shit about Brandy, Chris, because I feel like we're going to have Brandy come out and, and go after Paul Heyman if he keeps on mentioning her. Might have a Brandy appearance. <laughs> Could be wrong, though. But didn't he didn't he say something about betting Cody's wife, essentially? Yeah, <laughs> he said he said he said to it. He said, no, I'm not going to say something bad. You know, to the level like Roman can keep your wife warm while you're on the road because Roman's a married man and a happily married man, but I'm not. So, yeah, he basically said he was going to bang Brandy, uh, which, like I said, man, I remember when when she came out against Jay Cargill like that shit was funny. I wouldn't fuck with Brandy, man. She's a uh, she might she might slap the shit out of uh, the penguin. There's some fucking legendary managers and, and you know. I, this is maybe a little blasphemous to some people, but at this point, Paul Heyman is has pushed to my number one. Yeah, me too. With, with this last run, that or the the past ten years of Paul Heyman, what we've gotten, he's definitely been the best wrestling manager. Shit, since I've been watching wrestling, I mean, you'd have to go back into the eighties and seventies to find someone I would put on the same level. That's Paul Heyman. Sorry, Cornette. Uh, you were pretty good in the 90s. But... Goddamn! <laughs> he's on a fucking next level, and he's also booking these storylines. You know, he's the guy that built the bloodline, in my opinion. I think it has a lot to do with Paul Heyman, whether they want to admit it or not. He's, uh... He's, he's the... He is the guy. <laughs> so he helps is. having Roman... Helps having Roman, Brock, and Punk as the guys to pivot around. But yeah. <laughs> he is the guy, and he's turned this into a two-plus-year storyline that, you know, at, at the beginning we were just like, oh, fucking Roman's heel, that's great. I did not think it was going to last three years, almost three years at this point. Didn't this start uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Roman kind of started acting heel on NXT, 
then he turns heel. He's with Paul. And then I mean, Jay. Been, I mean, like you said, he sold the belt for like almost 900 days. Or a, one yeah. of the belts for 900 days. And then he unified the other one. So if you're looking at just unified, I think it's like 700 and something days. But it's been fucking great. And uh, this match was awesome. And Roman is amazing. Shit talking this Montreal crowd. <laughs> Uh, the entire time, because Sammy immediately starts out by taking getting an ass whipped, and then you know Roman goes to the to the outside of the ring, and he just starts running down Sammy's family. He's like, you know, you you guys were part of my family too. He was part of my family. He turned my, turned his back on me. You guys turned your back on me. He gets back in the ring. Sammy makes his comeback. He cops out of the ring in the biggest babyface moment of the match. Sammy gives his wife a big old kiss. Gets back in the fucking ring. I was like, that's so old school. Sami Zayn's amazing. Um, hell of a match. The only only negative thing I could say about the end of this match, and this happens in some Roman matches, is that the uh, it is that the finish just took forever. Like the actual end of the match took like five minutes, five to six minutes, and it was just like, well, we know what's going to happen. So, yeah. No, I can agree with you on that. KO comes out. It's the stunner. It was amazing. Paul's like slap boxing his back, basically. (laughs) It's the stunner on Paul. And then the next night on Monday night, he's like, I didn't do that for you. I did that for my family. I did that for your family, your actual family, Sammy. So Kevin Owens is still pissed at Sammy Zayn, which is a fun story. And like, like you said, this will continue to build and, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe you do get, you know, uh, Sammy and Oos versus, you know, Solo and, and Oos, as opposed to what we thought with Kevin Owens. You know what? They could do this. I. It would be hard to pull off. Um, where Jay, we don't know where he lies all the way, but he's siding with Sammy for whatever reason. He goes against Jimmy and Solo. Because they just, you know, I mean, the fucking, uh, what, what's, what's Finn's group called? I forgot. Um, Judgment Day. Judgment they Day. Just, yeah. They just did it. They, they basically um, freebirded the titles uh, when Finn was quote-unquote hurt. So, technically, they could put Solo in the place. But then in the match, you start off with Sammy. You do the classic thing where fucking Jay ends up fucking him over. And who is the person to end up helping him out is Kevin Owens runs for the hope spot. Now it gets messy on how would they win the titles that way? And you have one tag champion on one side, there is some weirdness to it, but they could do something that's a bit, you know, different uh, than just having Kevin Owens and Sammy go against the two of them. Because obviously they're both Kevin Owens and especially Sammy are going to have a big part in this WrestleMania. Yeah. And they almost need one other person. Um, because I'm assuming the match between Cody, e- either the ground has to crumble around Roman's faction uh, to the point where Cody has the upper hand in this match to some extent, or it's at least an even match, or you got to have Kevin Owens and Sammy back Cody if you're going to have Cody win the title. I wish Dustin wasn't in AEW. I know that's... She to say, but he would be so perfect for a role right here. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know what his contract looks like or if he did resign. We we kind of teased it a little bit. There was definitely rumors going around that maybe he is out. And he's got one more year, he said. So and then he's it done. doesn't seem like that's going to be the case unless Tony lets him do it. And if I'm Tony Khan, fuck I'm letting WWE do anything with any of my superstars. Yeah. Be realistic. <laughs> they, have, they haven't returned the fucking favor for him at all. No. Same thing with Christian. Also, you know, if he's got more time or whatever, then that's just how it is, man. You can't just be like, oh, instead I'll give them here so he can fucking have matches either tagging or going against Edge <laughs> on their last run. Give That's just giving WWE a huge storyline. So, I mean, you know. well, I mean, you could be like that if they're going to give you something back. But if they're giving you dick all back, then at some point you got to tell them to go fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you send, you know, Ric Flair from place to place, but you never get anything in return. It's got to be <laughs> some territory stuff. Like, uh, you know, at least when they send someone to New Japan, they do eventually get something back. <laughs> you know, they get matches back. You can't just have your guys going over there. So, and it, uh, it sucks that uh, it's it falls with Dustin a little bit, but it is what it is. That would be the perfect guy. It would. Um, but right now, think, well, unless actually, you know who else makes a lot of sense since he's a baby face if he were to be healthy and his tag partners, I don't know what the fuck's going on with him. Uh, who has really long history with Cody dating back to Cody's return and is a huge baby face now with the audience and injured currently? And has a former feud with Roman. Yeah, Seth. Um, oh no, I was going. Seth makes sense, but I think he's preoccupied. I'm talking about the Viper. Yeah, Randy Orton would make a lot of sense too. And he's they kind of had like a the biggest fan of the Usos or Roman. No, and not only that, he he feuded with with the Usos. He's feuded with Roman before, and the last time we saw you know Cody and him, it's when he called him out and like you know put him over, and they had like a baby face moment after WrestleMania when Cody uh, first came back. So that could be a person that you could use. And I, like, like I said, I have no idea what's going on with Randy Orton. Uh, there's been a lot of hush hush on that, but if he were to be okay, him getting involved in some way in this would make a lot of sense. And the fucking crowd would pop. If his music hits while say Cody's getting, you know, his ass whipped by solo Roman and whoever, uh, while a ref bump's going on, Randy's music hits and fucking he comes out there and helps him out. That'd be uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing with Cody. Unless they're going to set it up to be a stip match to keep them out of the ring, is that Cody is kind of uh, he's definitely at a disadvantage, and I don't know that they're gonna they're willing to sacrifice Roman so hard that he's going to overcome the entire bloodline to win the title. So you got to think that there's going to be some, some kind of extracurricular thing with someone backing Cody. Randy makes a lot of sense. The only other people I could think that would make sense would be like the new day. Yeah. Uh, super baby faces, super baby faces, but also Cody and Xavier go a long way back. Yes, that's right. I forgot. Um, Yeah. And it could just end up being like Xavier's like, I want my fucking title shot <laughs> you if, know, after he saves him. <laughs> what if what if this? All right, Chris, they do a similar thing 
you know, same situation. You have all this chaos going on. One person's on one side, the other, you know, the other people. So you have KO and and Sammy's even out there and they're fighting out the bloodline while his match with Cody and Roman's going on. Roman's getting the better of him in the ring and there's a ref bump and people are distracted. And all of a sudden, glass shatters. Stone Cold comes to the ring, fucking flicks off. Does he? They could even do the exact same thing they did with that Mankind Rock match on Raw. Just walks right into a fucking stunner comes out and just flicks off the rest of the bloodline and gives a little salute to Cody or some shit like that. You know, I eat nostalgia sandwiches, so I'm just saying. Yes, yeah, Stone Cold's not a bad choice. Especially with, uh, if Kevin comes out to help and they're still overwhelmed and the glass breaks. Uh, there's a lot they can do with it. I, I don't know how much people are going to love that is the problem. I think they want to just see Cody beat Roman clean. Which... Yeah, yeah. I don't think is going to be the case. Maybe they run it back. Maybe they do Cody and Roman two nights in a row. Yep. Well, either way, we're excited for mania. I'm excited. I know Chris is, you know, we just talked about a bunch of different scenarios and we'll talk a little bit about raw. Um, but first let's go a little bit into this new Japan show, uh, battle in the Valley. Um, I'm gonna go by the Filthy, main show. Filthy Tom tried to kill Homicide. That's that's what Jesus. I remember most from the uh, Battle in the Valley. Um, can I be honest with you? We can go over them still, but I didn't watch David Finley and Bobby Fish or the Kushida Volador Jr. Like that giant tag match. I didn't watch Kenta and Fred Ross. I started at mostly Machine Guns, I think, and then I watched, watched the, the rest. Uh, of- Fred Roster is a guy they've been behind for a while there, and I think he had a really good match. David Finley is a guy that they're behind. I think he had a pretty good match. I don't, I don't know that we need to go into too much detail. Let's isn't kind of he there. Bullet Club now? Didn't he just join Bullet Club? I'm crazy. I believe so because he turned his back on Juice, but Juice is no longer in that company. Yeah. And I think that was the storyline. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, but I am drawing off memory from three or four months ago when it happened and Juice kind of beca- became more of a. At first, I thought he was going to AEW, but he's like an impact right now, right? Or had, that's who he's been working with recently. And yeah, Black that's Label a weird one. Bro. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, all of the matches on the show were good. They're. It's just there were some memorable matches. The the filthy match with Filthy and Homicide, they beat the absolute fuck out of each other. That match was pretty good. And then obviously the Okada Tanahashi match and the Motor City Machine Guns tag match. Those were kind of my highlights of the show. The things that if I was going to tell you to go back and watch stuff from that show, those would be the the matches. I also really, really liked Jay White's last match with Eddie Kingston. I thought they beat the living shit out of each other. Um, and it's now it's 100%. Jay White's done with New Japan. So he got kicked out of Japan, literally. And then he came over here for one last shot. Lost to Eddie. But, you know, Kingston. I, it, it's weird because he does do the, the All Japan style. But he works very, very fluid for a guy his size. Um, 
Like it was, it was a brawl. It was a fight, but I don't know. Jay White is no longer in New Japan, Chris. I remember when he fucking premiered. Yeah, me too. And, you know, that interview he did, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, setting up the match. You know, he said, if I lose, I, I guess I have nothing left, right? I have nothing to lose at this point. That's why he made the bet. He was kind of all in. He's like, if I win and you want to wrestle in Japan, then you're going to have to come after me. But he did give the caveat. So I don't think he signed a contract anywhere because uh, Eddie Kingston kind of gave him an out. And he's like, you better not show up on AEW because I'll beat your ass there as well. So they did at least tease that he could still come to AEW. And I don't know what Jay White's going to do, but uh, he was the hottest free agent heel there for a while or the upcoming heel. And then he kind of had a down period because he wasn't able to go to Japan. And uh, I don't know that he's fully recovered from that. Even his uh, outside of his tag matches with Chris Bay and Impact, I've not been super impressed by Jay White matches as of late. Uh, And some of that is he lost a lot of steam. You know, he was fucking freight training in New Japan until the pandemic happened and was easily considered one of the best heels in the business, if not the best. I mean, it was like him, Roman and MJF were pretty fucking top tier there for for a bit. As far as someone you would want to build a a storyline around as a top heel. And uh, I don't know that he has that same. Same steam going, but going somewhere like. To me, he kind of does fit the WWE style a little more than he does uh, AEW, On, if I'm being completely honest. But what do you do with him? I mean, do you put him right on the main roster and just, you know, to hope that a lot of people know him from mainstream audience? Or do you build him in NXT, even though he seems way more advanced uh, than a lot of the people in NXT. Well, you having the the fracture of the bloodline, maybe fucking Roman brings him in as an enforcer or something. That's interesting. And then yeah. he turns on Roman down the line. I mean, he is, uh, he kind of works well in those type of groups. You could do something like that. You could put him with the original bullet club, do the, uh, the club thing. If you wanted to have them run, fucking wild if you want aj to be a heel and which i think that if you're gonna have aj and the club the good brothers together they should be heels anyways Uh, so having having jay white come in and set up a match between him and aj and go from there there's there's tons of stuff you can do with jay white and and i'm not saying he wrestles like his best matches are against okada and tanahashi and, and naito in my opinion in japan yeah and they wrestle, I mean, they still wrestle strong style, but they those guys adapt and kind of do more of the WWE style anyways. Uh, and we saw an impact, he can kind of run that style. So I, I don't know, he just seems kind of like a better fit there. I don't know what you would do with him with, in, in AEW. I guess you could have him in the Omega feud or him in Adam Cole feud. But uh, he's going to make more money in WWE, I would think. It's going to be interesting. I do like Jay White, so we'll find out what happens to Switchblade. Last match to talk about, I think, on here. Like you said, Okada and Tanahashi was awesome. Uh, Zack Sabre and Clark Connors was really good as well. And uh, Tom Haller and Homicide, fucking crazy maniacs. But the longest match, the co-main event, was for the IWGP Women's Championship. 
Mercedes Monet beat Kari. I thought this was a really good fucking match. I enjoyed it. It was 26 minutes, almost 30 minute match. Um, and she pulled off her new finisher, the rock. I'm, I'm assuming they kind of like worked on that. Um, and we kind of said like, it makes sense to keep it on Kari and, and bill, but it also kind of makes sense. So either way was fine. Um, trying to think of like what, where I was going with this. Um, There, there is. It, it's a great match, but always in the back of your mind is it, it, how long is Mercedes going to stay in Japan, right? Because Stardom runs weekly shows; they're going to want their champ there. When is she going to flip flop the title back? Uh, I think on the last show I said maybe six months, but even if you get six months out of her, drawing attention to what Stardom has kind of became, which I think Stardom had a really great year last year. They've done a good job of integrating a lot of their stuff into New Japan, which I never thought I would see happen. But it has been incredible just because New Japan in general has not been um, very high on female wrestling throughout the ages. But they seem like they're giving it more of a highlight. And, uh, you know, with Mercedes Monet being a champion, I think it helps New Japan. It helps stardom. It helps Japanese wrestling in general as far as getting more American viewers to tune in. And no, uh, yeah, they had, they had a good match. Now, can she go over there and have a good match with everyone? Right. That's the that's the question, because K- Carrie has wrestled in WWE. So she kind of could adapt to that style a little faster. I'm curious mm-hmm. on what else we're going to see. You know what I mean? Because there's a reason why they send these women from, you know, New Japan and DDT, etc. through the NXT. Um process the the process and uh maybe she'll be fine i don't know but uh i'm trying to think of the champ that carrie took the title off of was the champ for like almost a full year i would assume that would be the next match for mercedes monet and i I can't think of her name it escapes me right now but uh what will that match look like is is yeah is, is the question and my, my my issue was now that I'm coming back to it was she presented herself as a heel attacking Kari on the match at Wrestle Kingdom and this this time they're hugging it and shit uh, that was kind of weird it was like is she a heel is she a fucking baby faced am I not supposed to care because that's how it is a lot of times now uh, very interesting some of the uh, people in in the uh, the crowd including Mr Dave Melcher. Uh, CM Punk and Bailey, who was there supporting, um, and you could hear her actually literally throughout the thing because Bailey has a very distinct voice. So, uh, very interesting having her there with backing up her friend. And, uh, yeah, good match. Let's just see what happens, like you're saying, with her past this. Yeah, I, you know, even though they hugged it out, I, I still think that she's a heel in, in Japan and stardom. She's going to come back as a fucking heel. She has to. Um, which is fine. You know, Bret Hart did it. <laughs> he was he was a baby face in Canada, a heel in America. Andre uh, did it. He was a he was a baby face here in the US and he was a huge heel in Japan. So like one of their top can, heels. So it's possible. And I think, you know, Kenny Omega to some extent has done it in recent years. Cheered here, hated there. <laughs> Until they like garnered respect after he won the title from Okada, but 
and the AJ Styles kind of similar thing. So uh, there, there's groundwork there for her to be a heel there and baby face here. I think it's very smart that they're trying to do as much as they can with her. Um, I, I don't think it's a long-term thing. It is yeah. good groundwork. If you, if she is going to sign with AEW at some point, it is good groundwork with her to be wrestling in stardom and then come in and have matches with like Jamie Hayter. Do some crossover Dur- stuff for sure. Directly for the title. And that might even be what we see at Forbidden Door. If they uh, keep the belt on her champ that long. Versus champ. champ versus champ. And then Mercedes comes into AEW. That was kind of what I was talking about last week. I think that would make a lot of sense. I don't know that she's ever going back to uh, WWE. I, I, she seems kind of like in the punk situation of where that bridge was fucking burned a little bit. Yeah. Well. But never say never. We'll see. <laughs> we might have a return of I had a dream yesterday. <laughs> I mean, we did see Nia Jax at the Rumble. What the fuck was with that? She just came on for the Rumble. Was that like a legend call or something? Like, we're we gonna have to see her now again. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, they were like, we need to fill out slots. Unless Karma has been teaching her on the side how to fucking wrestle, I don't want to see Nia Jax come back, honestly. I don't want to see her come back, even if Karma has tried to train her from the ground up, just because she has proven that she doesn't really care um, over the years. It's not like she was in there. She's reckless, because she's a woman, so that's... (sighs) Like, if Charlotte Flair, Becky, Sasha, (laughs) Bailey. Alexa, if if all of the other top stars can't teach you how to work in the ring, then I don't know the fuck like to tell you. No. Sometimes wrestlers are just bad. <laughs> you know, like I'm glad that she got her moment in the sun, but I, I'm good without ever seeing Nia Jax have another match in WWE. Yeah, I'm right there. Like you know, she takes all of her earnings, invests in the stock market, and becomes a billionaire. Fine. But uh, as a fan, I could I don't want to see another ma- uh, one of her matches. And she has like a voice like Vicky, but high more high pitch. Like it's pretty fucking terrible. Ugh. Like, they want to they want to go after. I I would have loved if they would have done something like worked with TNA and gotten Jordan Grace in there or something. Or if they want just a big monster in the Rumble or something like that, you know, like that would that would have been pretty cool. All right. Um, let's kind of like, I guess, go down. We've talked about a lot of the stuff that happened on Raw, but we'll we'll cash that out before we talk about Dynamite. Uh, all right. We already talked about stuff with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens um, at the opening, but I thought that was great. Like you said, him relating it back to the fact that like, oh, you know, I was thinking about my family when you didn't help me at all until the end and let me get my ass kicked while my family watched you know, back home. And I'm, I was worried about your family, you know, being there and having to watch this, like, we're not cool, you know, basically fuck off. If you want, if you want some help, call your buddy Jay. And I thought Kevin Owens was great, man. Like Good every fucking part lone, of the story lone wolf. <laughs> yep. Lone wolf KO. This this could turn out to be like one of the best money in the banks that we've had in a very long time. If they set this thing up right, 
because you could build this storyline out through the tag matches. You could have, you know, Kevin in there. You could have Sammy in there. You could have Roman in there. Um, you know, Bronson Reed. You could have a crazy Money in the Bank following, um, following what they've got built for Mania, and that's what I'm excited about. And I do think Kevin will eventually just help his friend. I think that's still where they're going with this, but they're doing a goddamn good job of teasing that it could go several different ways, right? Absolutely. You know, what I would like to know is, uh, who did Baron Corbin, like, piss off in the back? Because <laughs> once again, after, like, let's go over this. He got completely obliterated from Bradshaw, who was supposed to be helping him out after losing a million times. Um, he got his ass kicked by Cody in a fucking suit. And now he attacks Sammy for taking up the time because they decided to go to something important while he was getting an interview when Sammy came in the ring. And Sammy gets a match and beats the shit out of him. Uh, but the last guy to beat Roman Reigns, I, I don't know. I mean, is he getting buried or is he just, that's his place now? Like, that's the situation. He, he's, he's Dolph Ziggler right now. I don't think they're trying Basically. to bury him. They just they're like you're good. Get in there and have a match. <laughs> you know, like I don't think they're intentionally trying to bury him. I think the best thing for Baron Corbin would be to drop to NXT and go against like you know uh fucking Rick Steiner's kid. Ron Breaker, yeah. You know, he he had a good run in NXT. He's a good heel. I think there's some cool stories you could tell there. Um there's nothing for him on the main roster right now. Really, um, they he he's a guy that needs to leave the main roster and go. If he if he went away for like six months and came back, maybe you could rebuild him. But it it, it does have very much that Dolph Ziggler stink on it, where we've seen him lose a bazillion times. And they you know they tried to do like the legend thing with Dolph Ziggler with Ric Flair, if you remember. Um, yep. They don't know what to do with the guy. He got himself over. They fucked that up, and now no one cares uh, <laughs> at all. Well, speaking of which, line. Dolph is basically taking Mustafa Ali. And, I mean, if you think about similar backgrounds, both of them show potential. Then they become a part of groups that could have killed them and kind of did for Ali with – I don't even remember the name of it. I'm glad – but Dolph with the cheerleaders, and then I'm, I'm assuming Dolph wants to help him out a bit because of that type of concept, but Dolph loses uh, again. Like you said, he's uh, he's always in gatekeeper mode, and it's just so weird because, uh, I mean, he's he's a past world champion, so it's, it's just, uh, that's his role. Yeah, the line between Mustafa and Dolph is kind of gapped pretty heavily just because they have given Dolph like big pushes in the past, like being the last man standing in the Survivor Series and being a former heavyweight champion and IC champion and tag champ. Like Dolph has all the accolades that come with it. But if you've been watching Dolph Ziggler for the past 20 years, you know that he is kind of just the guy they throw in there to have good matches with other people. And I feel like Baron is kind of thrown in there as well. My only problem with Baron recently is that his matches have become kind of boring because he's just doing like, and this is probably just because he's uninspired, honestly. 
I'm being completely honest. He's just like, all right, here's fucking like three chin locks in four minutes. <laughs> three clotheslines. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I saw him in NXT, the guy was running fucking wild. I was like, this is good. It's a good heel they can bring in and do stuff with. And they did for a while. And uh, they just pushed him way too fast, way too hard. And people. He did beat Roman last. That is something that I, I, I didn't even believe when he said it. I was like, holy shit, you're right. That was a while back, but he did feud with Roman for a long time. They had that stadium match or whatever the fuck. Um, God, that seems forever ago. It was forever ago. It was like four years ago at this point, right? Jesus. Roman has more wins than fucking Jade Cargill at this point, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Since coming back as heel Roman, does he have more wins than Jade? Someone pull the stats up on that. because (laughs) He's the heel Hulk Hogan, man. I mean, he goes, he's at the big events, he has the big match, you know, whether or not they're the most technical masterpiece or anything like that, it's, it draws a huge audience, it's, it's, it's big, they just always come off like big matches, no matter who it is, so, and it's he ever better, since he, he switched heel. He does it, but he has better matches than Hogan, that's the, uh, that's the yeah. caveat to that. Well, he's going to short his game up. <laughs> He's uh he's doing he's he's WWE's ace even though he's not the babyface he is the he is everything that the entire WWE wrestling world pivots around right now as far as like main event goes so it's uh it's crazy hey big- on this podcast we kept putting him in over <laughs> over regardless when everyone else was out there trying to bury him <laughs> yep. We were like, I don't know. There's something to this Roman guy. <laughs> I've got a lot of dream matches, but one of my biggest ones, and I say it all the damn time, and has been for a while, if not number one, is Roman and Okada. So um, I think they would have a masterpiece. Now, Seth and, Ke- and, and Omega is up there too, but I would, I would actually prefer this long, drawn-out, badass match between two of the best. I'd also love to see uh, uh, Walter... Go against Okada. That would be a great match. Or Gunther, I should say. Um, yeah, anyways. Okada, Okada is the perfect baby face to bring in against anyone. He really is. And he's so good in the fucking ring. And he doesn't have to do a lot. He's just very old school to me. He can do anything, really. Like He, he has proven that he can work any style that you want to work and get it over. and Can lose and it doesn't hurt him if he needs to. Okada is the best wrestler in the world. Uh, not the most over, not the one that draws the most money, but as far as in-ring, if you have to book something around a guy, right now for Perfect. me, it's either it's either him or Roman. Uh, yeah. Because I think you could just tell interesting stories around either of those guys. It's way easier to be a shitbag heel than it is to be as big of a babyface as Okada or Tanahashi. <laughs> Is, is yeah. more of what I'm getting at, <laughs> or you can, or the potential for Cody. Yeah, or Cody. Yeah, Cody's Cody's would be up there too. Um, it's just so funny that the AEW crowd just turned on him so hard <laughs> and wanted him to be a heel so bad. That's kind of they, what they, cost cost them Cody Rhodes. His <laughs> bad booking of Cody Rhodes. I think he would still be there if they would have found a way to actually. 
you know, not put him in shitty storylines and eventually just turn him into a heel because no one wanted to see what he was doing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, here's a question, because I don't know if you heard about this clusterfuck. So we have the women's tag team champions, Kodakai and Eosky. Um, I'm The rumblings are they're positioning Ronda... I don't know if they're going to take titles off those ladies beforehand and go against someone else, but Ronda and Shayna are supposed to be involved with those tag titles at Mania. Dakota is legitimately injured. They have this, you know, their ding-dong hello show and get interrupted by Becky and Lita, who call out the tag champions um, and are having a match tomorrow, tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. So... We're getting this match, but Dakota Kai is hurt. Is Bailey going to step in? And then apparently, Trish was actually at the events. It was in Canada. I think it was in Ottawa. Um, and she was supposed to apparently, from what Dave said, be a part of this segment. But they, like, so what's going on? Is it they're trying to do a three-on-three for Mania or something? Like, take the belts off of them, and then it's damage control against the two legends and and uh and becky but it's also hanging on dakota kai being injured how are they gonna have this match is bailey gonna have to take you know what i'm saying like very confusing on what's going on it's 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 unfortunate that dakota kai is injured and a lot of it hinders you know on on that part of it but trish was at raw lita and and becky are going against damage control is it going to be bailey instead of dakota what do you think chris Well, according to the rumors, the actual plane is Lita versus Bailey. Now, how they get there, I have no fucking idea, but they want to do a singles match. So, I don't know, Lita versus Bailey and Trish versus Becky? You split those across two nights? That doesn't mean they're not going to do the tag matches that you're talking about in between then and there, but that's the, those were the rumors that I have heard, is that mm. specifically the Becky versus Lita thing which may just be both of those people want to work with each other so i have no idea good point who's gonna is it gonna be dakota kai tomorrow night with eo going against uh becky and um lita or is is bailey gonna have to take her place Hmm, i don't know i mean maybe that's how you set it up is that bailey takes the place and then starts a feud with lita i guess i don't be my best guess it's very interesting because i think someone even i think someone even leaked like a poster of bailey and lita um this week so i, I do think they're going to do that match at mania we'll see but be as far as trish match. goes she's she's on that canadians got talent show still so i don't know what they had planned for her in general maybe it was something completely different Maybe it was just supposed to be in that segment since they were in Canada and she has no match or anything like that. Could have been, but they decided to squash it even though she was there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, apparently if you're a female that gets brought in for a spot show, uh, there's a high chance that your segment might just get squashed, which is still crazy to me because Raw is three hours fucking long. Yeah, seriously. Just cut out one bullshit segment and give us Trish Stratus. I, I feel like people would like that more. All right, last thing to talk about. Austin Theory and Edge had a really good match. Um, 
It was for the U.S. title. You know, Austin Theory brought up saying that he's reinstating the open challenge at the press conference. Edge obliged shortly later at that same press conference. So they have this match. And I kind of felt like Austin was going to win. I don't know why you would take the title off of them. But then we had the whole shenanigans with Finn Balor at the end and ended up giving Edge three coup de gras back to back to back. So setting up more shit between Judgment Day and Edge going forward. But uh, that's how they closed out Raw. And it was actually a really good match between two guys. So awesome so theory, the man. The only problem with this build... The, the only problem I've had with this build, I have no problem with what they did with it, the edge. You need Austin Theory to get some strong wins on this open challenge coming up. Yeah. With Cena coming in. Because um, otherwise, the the outcome would be Cena's going to beat this guy for the title, right? Because <laughs> there's no one that's going to come in and interfere, interfere against Cena, really. They've got no storyline there. So, you know, I would almost have... Cena try to draw out the best Austin theory, you know, the best athlete Austin theory have Cena win the belt as a part of an open, open challenge before mania and then drop it back to Austin theory. And then we get like a different level of what we've seen from Austin theory. And then, then you can build off of that because I don't, Cena's not sticking around to defend this fucking belt for no. three or four months after this. No, I, I completely agree with you. It doesn't seem like that would be where they're going, and John is doing a million things now. So I like I like your idea. I mean, you have John open challenge. Maybe he could do it the night that they're in Boston. You know, he's supposed to come out for a segment, but instead Austin comes out beforehand, puts the open challenge out, and John Cena comes out. Big Pop beats him in Boston, gets his U.S. belt back, you know, makes it a promo. Austin's pissed. And then that builds up to him getting that rematch at WrestleMania. I like that idea, Chris. I do. Yeah, because then you're not wasting the big, you get a big title change, send the fans home happy in Boston. And then at Mania, you can flip it back and people get a title change and the Mania crowd's a little different. So they'll pop for it and be excited. And also, you can, it, you get the opportunity to tell a different story about Austin Theory a little bit. Yeah, with him, like I've been fucking around too much, and God damn it, now I am the new John Cena, and they just like do training montages of him or something, gearing up to the. You could start that's, going by that's the prototype. What I would do. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, but yeah, I, but before they get to Boston, he he needs to win some matches that don't have any fuckery at the end of them. <laughs> you know what I mean, like. He had fuckery at the end of the uh, Elimination Chamber match. He had fuckery at the end of the the when he won it back match. Uh, so he needs a couple of clean wins. And uh, maybe Johnny Gargano is perfectly fit for that. Someone like The Miz, guess, would be perfectly fit for that as far as open challengers go. And then Boston's, what, three weeks away? He drops it to yep. Cena. Then you have two weeks to build the Mania. Two or three weeks to build the Mania, so... That would, Dude, uh, so that would be we're where six, I would go with it. We're six weeks away from WrestleMania. I'm excited. And I love all the damn... Like, I've seen one of them. It was pretty funny. I liked, I liked the Joker, Seth Rollins, and Becky Lynch one. But the little previews of the ones that we're going to be getting, including 
they're, they're doing the 40 year old version with all the uh, with Drew McIntyre, uh, Sheamus, like when uh, Steve Carell gets waxed, and then they're doing a Goodfellas one where fucking Roman's talking to Paul Heyman and it's Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta that seem like well, I'm funny how. So I, I <laughs> these all all like I'll eat all of them up. Am I a clown? They, they have been fun. <laughs> Becky as Batman was pretty funny. Yeah, Seth as a hilarious. Joker was acknowledging something that you shouldn't acknowledge, really. Which Probably is, not. He's a terrible version of that. He's he's yeah he's he's literally stealing parts of both those Jokers and kind of throwing them in Doing there. A worse job at it than Sting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shut up, what, cat. Here, here is something else you could do with the Austin Theory storyline. It's an open challenge, right? Anyone yeah. can. Braun Breaker just shows up and beats him, and it's Braun Breaker versus John Cena at Mania. Uh, I, I would love that. Dude, Braun, honestly, I watched an episode of NXT. Braun's not over with the audience anymore. Like, they're booing his ass, and he's still a baby face. But that audience is stupid. They like really mediocre shit. So. You know, what well, are you do? there was like two very loud people there booing him, and and like they had a couple of plants, from what I remember. Um, it was just very weird. Um, also very weird. Grayson Waller uh, is kind of has like a feud with Shawn Michaels, where he's gotten suspended and he keeps on coming back and in Shawn's face, and they've pushed each other. And uh, Albert had to fucking separate him last. Are we? Is Shawn gonna waste? And don't don't get me wrong. Grayson Waller has improved in the ring. He's got some ways to go. He's still green, but he's a natural fucking heel on the mic. But really, are we positioning maybe Sean coming out of retirement for a fucking takeover match? I'm wondering if it goes more towards Sean gets fired and they bring back Regal as the, uh, uh, the guy. Well, he can't for a, a small without, time without an actual match. Right, but we don't know how long they're going to draw this shit out on. Uh, it, it was what the uh, ninety days was the non-compete. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, you could be right. They could be out of it. That would be, I don't know, but it was it was very interesting. There is some good talent on NXT, and people that I have my eye on are getting better in the ring. And and then there's Von Wagner. Um, G- I like what's going on with Gigi Dillon and, uh, and JC Jane, them redoing and rehashing a little bit of the uh, barbershop window thing. And Gigi Dolan, I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of Priscilla Kelly for a long time, so she's now this fucking crazy-ass baby face. And JC Jane, Gigi. Uh, <laughs> she's... Uh, Gigi, I am the door, Dolan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so if you didn't see that, they redid it, but they did it with Bailey's door. And so JC Jane already nailed her with super kick, slams her in the door, and the door is supposed to, you know, go open, uh, and uh, it didn't. So it just stayed there, and JC Jane gave her a kick in the face, fucking nice little shiner, huge bruise on her on her jaw. But uh, yeah, yeah, she fucking waffled her like. <laughs> well, apparently the door was supposed to swing open, so it didn't. It you know it took, but uh, it, it, whatever happened, it got stuck. So instead she well, just one Gigi right should have gotten her hands face. up and 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 uh, you know <laughs> you could have kicked above her head. That's a good point. In this situation, like 
So I'll be watching the show, man. I'll be watching the show, and then they start doing stuff with the two redneck boys that go on dates. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, does Sean really find this, like, entertaining? Like, I go from seeing a badass, like, uh, J.D. Madonna kind of promo and be a great heel, uh, you know, and have a match. And then they're going to take me with the redneck that can't get laid. That's the son of fucking uh, Bull Buchanan. And he's never kissed a girl. Like, why the fuck do they do that? I mean, the crazy part about that is that audience, that core audience, they turn out for that shit. Apparently, that was the highest rated thing on their show when they did that. Just like the Indy Hartwell fucking wedding. Yeah, it's 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 weird. There is like a subsection of that audience that watches that. I don't know if that's because they used to do Ms. and Mrs. after or some of the WWE reality stuff that leads into NXT or whatever. But there is like a subsection of that audience that really digs that stuff and if that's who they're trying to appease because they're obviously not worried about trying to go head to head with AEW anymore as NXT. Yeah. They're just trying to get ratings and they've done much better since they've shifted and just kind of stopped <laughs> trying to to do that uh, and went back to telling their stories but what the fuck happened to that audience man? That was the same audience where we had, you know, probably to me my favorite modern wrestling era if you will for the most part where it was you know gargano and champa and fucking adam cole and uh the undisputed era and fucking alistair black and velveteen dream and all these great wrestlers and then all the female fucking wrestlers were top notch with eo and uh jesus christ i know that they went and they got people that are not more so in the industry anymore but they have a lot of good wrestlers and it's just kind of cheesy ass storylines instead of serious ones like i love this one with mako satamura she's going to be having a match with um their champion and i'm fucking blank roxy and she's training her now and they're because she's trained her before in the past and i'm 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 thinking that she's she it's more of like a teacher student where the teacher is aware that the student's probably going to beat her but she wants to put her at her best level and, and shit. So that stuff's awesome. And then, like I said, then you go to a chick that's got epilepsy. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, so I mean, part of that is that the Ring of Ring of Honor talent roster dried up a little bit when AEW came to town. So a lot of the wrestlers they would have been going after for NXT have signed with AEW for larger contracts, and they're not putting those True. developmental contracts on those wrestlers. So they've refactored how they're going to go about who they sign and, and whatever. And they've signed some interesting people, like some like gymnasts that are like, you know, were part of like the Olympian team and all sorts What's of that shit? one they girl got... that is ridiculous, like acrobatic as fuck blonde chick. I think she's from California. God, she has a weird ass name. And Booker T put her over and said that it's something Luca. Oh, I can't remember, but like, yeah, but they're, they're doing, they're doing that again where they're signing like people fresh out of college or people fresh from Olympic tryouts that didn't necessarily make the team. You know, they've rebuilt their roster in a different way and they're training them in the WWE style and heavily working on very yeah. scripted matches, which is fine. Like that might be the way the WWE goes in the future in general, if they weren't already, but like, you know, as far as the legacy time period you're talking about, 
you know, Velveteen Dream was good because he was in there working with really good fucking people. Um, and he came along really quickly. But that's the biggest gap that they have in NXT right now is they need people like, you know, Dolph Ziggler down there and, and Xavier Woods. And I think the New Day being there is great. And um, bringing people in that have done this for a long time to help out these other people, like when Kevin Owens went down or when AJ Styles went down or when Natalia went down. I think that's important because they need to, they need the they need veteran leadership there to some extent to try to help them along um outside of just the scripted match piece of it of like okay because because what do you do if you fuck up a spot right that's where you need <laughs> like natalia's like i fucked up a lot of spots in my career <laughs> let's just go to this instead that's the part they kind of i i feel like they they need there but the show itself i think has gotten much better since they've dialed back the nickelodeon bullshit and uh they still have like kind of crazy storylines but it's a much better show than it was let's say six months ago i was a lot of good completely completely done with nxt six or seven months ago and that's why i've not been tuning into it weekly is is part of that but i have been trying to keep up with it because i do think they have some talented people there we will yeah. we will see tyler Bate, jd mcdonough Braun breaker i like tony d'angelo i think he's gotten a lot better um and a lot of their female stars are starting to like make me go, like Roxy, she's gonna be great. Cora Jade, I think she's gonna be great. Gigi Dolan, she's gonna be great. Like I, I'm very impressed by certain ones. And then I see some that are probably gonna be there for a while. But you know, that's fine. You gotta get to a certain level. But some of them are ready to go. But unfortunately, when they lose Grayson Waller and Bronson Reed in that next round, they're going to have a lot of green, green, green fucking talent. So it's going to be interesting to see the next wave get mixed in there, you know? Yeah, and then, you know, the the hope would be that they would get, you know, who, who's the guy that they signed that was the wrestling champion um, in the Olympics? Oh, um, his brother right now is one of the biggest heels there. So it makes sense for him to slip in. And you're talking about, uh, fuck, I watched his home, all of his Olympics matches uh gable gable stevenson gable stevenson you would think he would come in and just be the new dominant guy he would take over like a braun breakers role right yep um it, it's they just got to replenish that roster a little bit and find people that make sense to push as the next top guy because the idea the the entire identity of nxt before it just became like hey we're ring of honor now which is it did <laughs> Yep. If we're being honest, which <laughs> is like, this is a fucking really well-produced version of Ring of Honor. <laughs> um, oh, for sure. Which is what is what made it great, actually, if you think about it. Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of talent out there that they can sign and new talent. And I'm glad that they're going, you know, we need new stars in the business in general. So the fact that they're, you know, they're going the opposite route of AEW is going the old NXT route of let's sign known com- commodities to some extent. Um, so, you know, they're trying to sign people from different backgrounds and in the past, this hasn't necessarily worked well. You do get your occasional Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar types, and that's, those are the kind of guys you hope for, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm actually like, I haven't checked out MLW, but I've heard it got really actually good ratings. It's first two, well, for what ratings it's going to you know, garnish. Now that's on cable. Um, Impact has been pretty impressive. Uh, has a great roster, you know, and I'm really hoping that Ring of Honor 
once it's there is going to become much more of that flavor, you know, of that NXT that I really liked. But NXT still got a lot of good stuff for it. Um, but if Sean gets back in the ring with, if you do a match with Grayson fucking Waller to take over, we want one mania match. Damn it. Jesus. <laughs> Not this year. Just fucking build yourself for the next year to go against AJ Styles. Come on. Yeah. We have Seth. a lot of the, uh, we have a lot of weird shit happening right now with, with live TV in general. I don't, get mlw and i'm one of the few people that owns like a premium cable package still so if it doesn't show up on fucking att uverse and i can't stream it anywhere and i have to go out of my way to found it find it on a downloadable like platform outside of legality i'm not fucking watching it i'm sorry mlw <laughs> yeah I got, let me find out what the cable um channel is it's a random ass one chris Obviously, it's going to be a random ass one, but apparently, I think well, it like, like beat it beat um it beat Impact and the New Japan show uh, in the ratings. I think that was like their big claim, which is not big, but you know, for uh, it, no. I mean, it's something new, and M- M- MLW generally has a good show, but like reels, even when M- yeah, see, I don't think I have reels, which is kind of crazy. I, don't. I have like. I mean, I even had Destination America when Impact was on there. On there, <laughs> so like, if I don't have the fucking channel, like, I don't know what cable package I would have to upgrade to that. <laughs> but it's not worth the extra like fifty to sixty dollars. I would have to. Uh, I would be getting into unlocking content for the entire United States at some point if it's above what I'm already paying for on cable, <laughs> uh, which I'm not doing. I'm one of the last. Like I said. That, a lot of the reason these shows are getting lower ratings is because people have fucking cut the cord on this shit um, and have moved to stuff like YouTube TV and uh, sling and uh, one of the other fucking variable internet streaming cable networks. YouTube TV right here. Yeah. If I don't fucking have it, then it, it basically doesn't exist to me. So as much as I like MLW and I like, like Van Hammerstone and, and, some of the stars they have there. Well, uh, I'm reading right here. They're still putting, I think, their pay-per-views on YouTube. So if I want to watch it, I don't know. Reels, I've heard of the station. I know I've seen it before, but I don't fucking have it. I don't even have A&E on fucking YouTube. Some bullshit. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at, though. Like, people have knocked down the cable subscriptions they have i you know there's very few people that i know that actually have cable boxes in their house still i think i'm like i said i think i'm like one of the last people i know that that have an actual fucking cable do you have a home phone too? box uh no 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 they don't make you include that in the bundle anymore they used to though uh, <laughs> all right so let's talk about one thing on smackdown we talked pretty much about everything else like we mentioned carrying cross and Rey mysterio they had a good match uh, and and Karrion Cross got the win because of Dominic, so that adds more to that. Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt, which was really creepy pasta, basically, <laughs> just a bunch of weird fucking shit that you would think that you'd find on like a Reddit and weird imagery. That's like uh, that one scene in the tunnel with uh, fucking Willy Wonka, uh, but making fun of Bobby Lashley. So that's what that was there for. But the 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 bigger thing was when the Queen came out, Chris. And uh, she was interrupted by Dominic, who is uh, talking talking some shit. 
being a little bit cheeky out there with her, I would say, and uh, telling her that she should smile more and that, you know, mommy's going to destroy her. And at one part, she said that she has her own. Uh, I, I forgot what the hell she referenced it. I think it was. She has her own daddy that calls her mommy at home, referencing Andrade. That's way more of a man than you are. Cue Rhea Ripley, and we kind of get a buildup of the stare-off between them. Um, I'm looking forward to this, man. I'm, I really am. Uh, these two, you know, it, it's a different place than when we had the match during the pandemic where Rhea lost the title to uh, Charlotte Flair. Now it seems like she's going to avenge it, and I like the dynamic. I like Dominic bringing up the fact that they're both second-generation superstars and him talking shit about Ray and Charlotte putting Ray over and saying that they see completely different because she loves her dad and uh, told him happy birthday and, of course, got everyone to woo. So, you know, it was it was an interesting segment. I'm glad that we got some interaction with Rhea and Charlotte. And, damn, dude, you just want to see Charlotte, like, I thought she was going to beat the shit out of Dominic, and it would have been great, but it didn't happen. But I still think it can happen in the future. <laughs> I kind of want Dominic to fall in love with her. I think that's an interesting story. He's, he goes full <laughs> <laughs> to the point where, like, that's another reason why Rhea hates Charlotte, is that she starts convincing Dominic to like her or something. Um, but... But no, this is great. All this setup's good, and I do think it's a different time around. And obviously, I don't think that they're hard set on Charlotte keeping the belt. They're they're building towards her breaking her father's record. So I would assume that Rhea wins the title here. And uh, to me, it makes a lot of sense because the Raw, if you're going to truly keep the belts separated, uh, they probably should move Rhea from Raw. Now, what does that mean for Finn Balor? And Damian Priest and Dominic, when she gets this title, that's the uh, that's the caveat. But it may be the idea just to break that group apart and just keep, you know, Dominic and Rhea together. You know, I think that makes sense because they're building Mama. the storyline with Ray Ray versus Dominic and Charlotte, you know, versus Rhea. And if Rhea wins the title you would assume that they're going to continue down that path, which would move them to SmackDown mostly. Yep. I don't know. Interesting stuff, man. I'm just, I'm digging it. And uh, Dominic, I just can't believe he's, you know, he's turned himself into a actually pretty damn good heel and very efficient at his job of just making me want to see him get his ass kicked. Um. I liked his Botchamania shout out on the post in like one of his interviews recently where he's talking about being in prison. He's like, you know what happens to people who talk too much <laughs> when I was in prison? Ridiculous. He's great. He's doing a great job. And Rhea has done – Rhea elevated that entire group because after Edge left, it was like, why the fuck are they even still a group? And uh, it's worked. And I'm going to put that on the backs of uh, Rhea and Dominic's performance together as this weird, weird couple. That's why I was like, man, but like Eddie totally would be all in on Charlotte. If he's doing the Eddie <laughs> Guerrero thing, Eddie would be hitting on on Charlotte, even leading into this match kind of thing. Just making little uh, comments and then like, oh, no, don't <laughs> worry, mommy. Like, you know, I, I, yes. she means nothing. <laughs> 
Like that's the that's the addition they could add to this storyline that puts it over the top to me is that uh old Dominic is smitten and uh apparently, you know, Andrade is injured in AEW from from what we've heard from <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he had a uh, injury back around the same time that he punched Sammy Guevara in the face, and it's not a long-term suspension. <laughs> yeah, that shit is crazy. But at least he got a mention uh, tonight, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it sucks, because uh, the spot that Andrade had has been clearly taken over by Roosh for whatever they yes. were going to do. So. Roosh and Andrade are very similar in the ring, and Roosh is, uh, I would say, a little better than Andrade at yeah. that. So it might be time just to move on from Andrade in general if you're AEW. I think, I think Roosh is better at English, too, honestly, from the promos I've heard him say. Um, but yeah. Yeah, th- I mean, that piece you can cover up with managers, et cetera, but Roosh is in ring work, especially with AEW, the AEW style. For lack of a better term, more of the indie or lucha style, I think Roosh is better. We, I mean, we saw that Roosh had a fucking absolutely incredible match with Brian Danielson, um, and that's way out of what his normal comfort zone would be for a match. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's it would be hard to bring back Andrade unless you're going to do Andrade and Roosh as a tag team or do a feud with them. Because like they've already brought in like Bandito, they're they're filling that uh, Latino void that Andrade left with people who I consider better than Andrade. No, I agree with you. And those four by themselves are four of the biggest luchadors in Mexico. So when you're talking about the Mexican market, you got Pentagon, you got Phoenix, you got Bandito, and you have Roosh. So no offense, Andrade, and I I like Andrade a lot. He's a great wrestler, but you know, um, I don't know if it was ego or him missing his his lady that caused all that. But well, I and a lot of it, Sammy's an asshole. But at the same time, it's like professionalism and wanting to get fired, you know. And he's paying for it right now. Part of his uh, career yeah, is Sam- chilling. Yeah, Sammy's an asshole. Plus, his booking was has been bad. Yes. But Andre, Andrade is still great. He's still, I mean, he's still great. He can go somewhere and make but a lot of money. I just, no, if you're not Roosh using him in incredible. AEW, yeah, Roosh is top, top tier at what he's doing right now. And Yep. Um, all right, so let's talk about Dynamite. Uh, Chris, right off the bat, I mean, I told you this when I saw the card, and I did like a lot of the matches, and we'll definitely talk about MJF and Brian Danielson's promo. But I, my biggest thing is now we have a week. So we had two weeks of television, and you, you can it's three hours, but Rampage, you can't really hope, obviously based on its ratings constantly, that people are going to even worry about the third hour. So you're building on Dynamite, and now we got two of them, and we have matches with, uh, you know, headlined by Moxley, who I think, along with the Blackpool Combat Club, went heel. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, blur the lines, but in a bleeding evil Uno, um, Sky Blue going against, you know, uh, Soraya. Well, the, probably the best, I think, match on the card was the opener, Orange Casting Wheeler Yuta. But, I mean, I just didn't give a fuck about any of these matches. And we had some 
I mean, I guess the physicality between Adam Page and, and Moxley for that ending adds to that. But what the hell is Cassidy doing as far as, you know, for the pay-per-view? And, I mean, I guess a little bit with the women's thing, but not as not that much. And we finally got some actual interaction with MJF and, and Danielson. And I think it still went off the rails a bit. Like, you got a week now. I don't know. I wasn't uh, very pleased when the car came out, and I wasn't pleased afterwards, honestly. And then a big battle royal to find out a tag team, a fucking tag team, for a four-way tag team match with the Acclaimed and the Ass Boys. And we're going to have another battle royal to find out the other one. So MGF and Danielson is weird because, like, Danielson so far has relied on being able to comment on other people's shitty careers or lives or, like, he's been able to build upon something shitty that has happened in their past. But with Danielson being vegan, clean-cut guy that everyone likes, he's really had to focus on how much of a terrible person he is, which is kind of a weird way to build a feud. Do you know what I mean? Like, he can't talk yeah. about Brian's accolades. He can't talk about, like, Brian's headline mess at WrestleMania. He's an undisputed champion. He's retired and came back and had great matches against Omega. He's former Ring of Honor champion. He doesn't have any of the normal things that he would be able to spray at someone. So, like, if you go back to, like, the CM Punk feud, there's a lot of fuel there, right? The way CM Punk left the business, the way CM Punk carries himself, the uh, how CM Punk is kind of a dick, right? There was a lot of fuel there. With Brian Danielson, there's not, or Daniel Bryan, or whatever the hell you want to call him. There's not that fuel. So, like, he tried to internalize it and be himself in the feud. And I don't think that people care. I mean, I think people care that it will be a good match, but I don't think anyone wants to see Brian Danielson win the belt. And no, that's I, your headline. And he's one of you, the, the biggest, you know, people that you have in your card. He needs some rehabbing after this. My opinion is that Brian Danielson loses to MJF. You want to do a little bit more with the two of them or whatever. Now that they have full audience over in Japan, we know that he's wanted to go over there. Brian Danielson in the G1 tournament. Uh, and that's something that he really would love to do. That's a very interesting concept to kind of build him up, get him off television, and then when he comes back, you know, do something else with him. But even MJF side, and, and apparently, at least what Sean Ross Sapp said, that story was true. That that recently actually happened to Max. They were, you know, he asked his girlfriend for a long time to marry him, and she denied him, so... He decided to bring that there, but the comment I think that everyone did not need, and this is like, I like MJF. I'm never going to say like, oh, he needs to be canceled for offending me, but it's like, it's just shock value shit. And saying that, you know, taking a bunch of pills to end your life, like it, that, that this championship has been the one thing to make you not do that. I just didn't need to go there. But the rest of the promo was great. The story... If it's true, that's crazy of him to want to fucking bring that up on television. Uh, but, you know, when it got to the point where he was in Danielson's face and he set, talked about, or when he was talking to Birdie over the fuck, that was pretty sinister, man. That's some fucked up 
almost like early 80s Rowdy Rowdy Piper shit to bring his kids into it. And then saying that he's going to have on-site CTE before he can even say it. Danielson nails him with the fucking microphone and they're beating the shit out of each other. Um, We only have one more week. This was better. I could have done without the pills suicide fucking comment personally to me, but we could have had more of this that would have built up, I think, this pay-per-view in the last weeks instead of fight this guy, like actual interaction between the two of them. Isn't that the baby face? Isn't that a baby face line, though? Is that this the guy? This is his last passion. This is what he cares. Like, isn't that the, you know, this is the sort. This is the hill that I will die on. Type storyline. When you start talking about like, look, I would kill my, like I was gonna kill myself, and then I realized that I have one passion left. Isn't that more of a baby face thing? Ah, uh, I don't. I, I, don't I, I just don't get what they're doing with. I mean, it, that doesn't make you a heel. That just makes you like a heel with problems, which is the shade of gray bullshit, which is why no one cares about this feud. People that say they care about this feud care about the feud because the two wrestlers involved in it are actually great wrestlers. Right. So they care about it from that standpoint. But as far as like why they're fighting each other, do you give a shit? No. You know, because we had the same we had the same thing on the other side with Eddie Kingston not that long ago with Jericho. Where he was talking about like how he had almost committed suicide and thought his career was over, he kind of did the same thing, but it was as a babyface and made you care about it to the point You're where right. he's like, "I'm drinking to do, the, I'm drinking to to drown the demons right now, Jericho, and I haven't drunk in a long time." But guess what? They can swim, Jericho. They can swim. You know what I mean? That's a good promo. It, it made you like him as a character and like understand the struggle of life in general of, of what he was going through. Like I'm sure that MJF was going through a hard time, but you don't care about the heels hard times. <laughs> that's not, no, <laughs> that's what switches you to a baby face. Prime example, Terry Funk almost losing his eye. You took my fucking eye, Lawler. It switched him to a baby face indirectly. Like it's, I thought that MJF was a student of the game, Dane, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> and I know he's trying to tie in his real life to this, but like throwing those little comments in, it's like, no, you need to be the clear cut bad guy. And from the outset, if he's going to be paying people money, he should have just been Harley race. Like that's you're doing the Harley race gimmick anyways. Just do the Harley race gimmick. You know, you can act a little scared of what might be coming for you, but be like, it's never going to actually get to me. That was the Harley race. Like here's $250,000 or whatever, whoever can bring me. I can't, I can't even remember who he was going. You're going to bring me his head, basically the, his challenger leading up to that match. That, that was the actually storyline that they were trying to tell, which didn't get over because you have MJF talking about getting blowies and car wrecks and, um, ex-girlfriends it's it's opposite of you know when wwe is trying weird. to pull in it's just fucking weird <laughs> and once again brian danielson's not a bad guy so there's not a lot of stuff to you know attack brian danielson on it's like if, it's like they set the feud up and brian danielson eight mile them where he just insulted himself kind of the entire time <laughs> and then there was Jesus. nothing else to go on so mjf is just blank of things to think of so he's like well I'll, I'll draw on myself or whatever to prove how evil i am i was like you don't even have to be evil to be a heel in life 
You just kind of have to be a little bit of a shitty person like Harley Race being like, fuck it. I want to keep the belt. Here's $250,000. First person to bring me his head. That's it. It's all you need. <laughs> you don't need all the other stuff. And the shades of gray shit in AEW. The shades of gray shit. Uh, WWE has proven for the past 10 years did not work. You know what did work? When they made Roman Reigns a clear fucking heel. And they created clear-cut baby faces to go against Roman Reigns. I agree, man. That's what worked. So this, like, shades of gray shit, it, and I know Jim Cornette bitches about it a lot. You need baby faces. Uh, Eric Bischoff uh, told Dave Meltzer he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about recently when he what, Meltzer was asked the question of, like, what is AEW really missing that could launch them into, like, a higher stratosphere? And what he said was a top baby face. And I completely agree with him. They need a guy. They don't have a guy. I thought the guy was going to be Kenny Omega coming back from injury, and they threw him in a fucking trios thing and then they, they got into a fight with cm punk and now i you know brian danielson's not the guy moxley's not the guy moxley's technically a heel i guess going into this next match they need that guy they need they need a top tier baby face and they've built no one the closest thing they have to it and i would kind of put them on the same level would be orange Cassidy and darby allen yeah and they're not even close to the same level as like what Kevin Owens was headed into Roman matches or Sami Zayn is headed into uh, headed into his match with Roman. They definitely need that. So uh, Eric Bischoff can suck my dick. <laughs> he sucks. Not that I'm putting over Dave, but like Dave Meltzer's comment on that was actually no, right. They, they, do they need totally, a baby face. <laughs> they totally need a, a strong baby face. And I'm going to go over some people that just – it's based on their booking, a lot of this. I'm sorry. Even – we can go back to, like I said, with Brian Danielson and MJF. One thing, we had weeks. We've had weeks. We could have more interactions. Use them on both fucking shows to have segments. Like, th- the reason why part of this worked is because it's the first fucking time we've really seen – MJF getting to Brian Danielson's head. Whether it was a, a good a direction to go is 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 nothing. But we have baby faces that they built, and because of booking, Wardlow. You know, um, I'm I'm trying to think of like several other people where they got them to a great position. Like where the fuck's Hook been? I don't want to see Jungle Boy with the championship. Um, Orange Cassidy. Hook Hook's, he, hook's suspended. <laughs> For how long? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like these baby faces that they have potential. Darby's great, but Darby is now, I think he got murdered by Joe. So, you know, you have the potential for someone like a Mark Briscoe to be a huge baby face. But me and you already talked about it. If MJ is champion, keep him away from that fucking situation. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see MJF try to, like, really go fucking low. Um, and it seems like he will. Uh, and I mean, if if if, 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 if MJF is going to start going after like Brian Danielson's family, that is actually the trigger to pull if you want him to just go into the match as a full heel. And the best person at doing that in in recent memory is Samoa Joe. So like, have him go talk to Samoa Joe <laughs> because there the Samoa go. Joe AJ style, a Wendy was pretty good, right? Like, yep. I just I just don't get what they're doing with like no one wanted MJF to be a heel when he came back anyways. 
No. Uh, and and now they have force fed him, and he is to me is slowly entering, um, kind of the opposite of Roman Reigns, but it, it, in a different direction of. Like, I don't want to say Baron Corbin because I don't think it's that bad, but they are force feeding him as a heel to us in it's, a way it's coming off pleasant. It's coming off uh, like not 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 real. Like he's just basically saying some of this stuff. It, it I, I'm I'm trying. I'm forgetting the fucking word. It's ingenuous. I've just fucked that up live on air. No, ingenuous um, is is completely correct. Like, it doesn't, it just seems like it's shock. Like, it doesn't, I've seen this motherfucker have some amazing promos that got deep, that he even got emotional with, like the whole CM Punk thing. But he brought a rat back around, and he's still doing it, but it's just like he's going for the low-hanging fruit a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, we need a better person to go against him. I don't know if Adam Cole's going to be that person, but we definitely need a top baby face that people just love. I don't know if that would be Cole. Uh, we've named some other people, but it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. It really I is. I mean, it's kidding. To me, it's it, to me, if they don't do anything, if they don't sign anyone and everything stays exactly the same, you have the, the bucks and Kenny lose the fucking belts. And then it's Kenny. Kenny's the guy and he's the baby face, which everyone wanted to see anyways. There you go. But if you're, you know, if you're going to bring CM Punk back in, if you're going to start like down that route, obviously that, that changes the landscape of things. Um, Brian Danielson, the way they booked him was let's put him against. He went against two heels and two baby faces, and both the baby faces were more over than he was in the match, because they've been telling this story shades of gray with the Blackpool Combat Club to the point where Brian Danielson is not the plucky underdog, right? Like he is not the same Brian Danielson that beat you know Orton and Batista and Triple H all in the same. He is not that guy. Yeah. So the fans are not as behind him, and there's still a subsection of fans that don't necessarily like him because he is a considered a WWE guy. With Kenny Omega, he is home built. Well, not really home built, but he is an AEW guy through and through, minus the fact that they <laughs> he wouldn't sign a new contract. <laughs> that would be the caveat of doing a long storyline with him and MJF would be like his motherfucker wouldn't sign a new contract. Um, yeah, I just don't know where they go. I mean, Darby would be the guy I would put against MJF uh, next. With and Darby and also Adam Cole, I feel like they would just be getting fed to MJF. Like, I don't see them taking the title off of him. Um, I mean, the only other guy you got is like, I mean, yeah, Mark Briscoe, I guess. Right? Did you just do that? I mean, I love that idea, but I don't want him. That could get fucking really personal, and unless Mark doesn't give a shit, I have no idea. I mean, they're wrestlers, grown ass adults. But like I said, that comment about we don't need another Eddie's rotten in hell line from a Randy Orton to Rey Mysterio. What, like a month after Eddie dies? You know. But I, Mark yeah, could be a fucking great babyface for the company. He really could. Yeah, and I also feel like if he if if he crossed the line, Mark Briscoe would get fired from the company for whipping MJF's ass. 
backstage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so feel like at we that don't point, need that. I feel like at that point, though, anything that would be said would be okayed with. You can fucking just do that. Well, unless MJF's an idiot. He is talking about his ex-fucking well, girlfriend and getting hummers yeah. in high school. Let's, uh, do you just go, do you just have, do you just have Joe retain these TV titles and then go after fucking MJF? That's what I would do. Cause I would just have MJF flip the script and they make it, or I would have Samoa Joe flip the script and make MJF the baby face. Cause everybody wants him to be the baby face anyways. Really? And, uh, yeah. Joe is the most, he's way more evil than MJF. Like MJF's talking about evil and Samoa Joe is just showing it in the ring. It's very different things, right? Like, I believe that Samoa Joe might murder you in a parking lot or something. (laughs) Whereas MJF, I'd be like, I believe that he would think about a lawsuit first. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, They're just very different. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm not super hyped on the pay-per-view. I think AEW does a bad job of the other side of wrestling, which is telling us why we should care about the performers involved. And they've done that. They, they give us good booked matches and uh, we get to see a lot of great in-ring action. And if that's what you love about wrestling, then they're the perfect company for you because you're going to get high quality shit on their shows. But as far as like why you should actually care about it or why you should tune in week to week and why you shouldn't just buy the pay-per-view, uh, they're not the best at that. I agree. You know, and that's why it's like we're talking about that golden age of NXT had a little bit of everything that I liked. It had a little bit of Ring of Honor. It had a little bit of WWE, you know, with storylines Had a little bit of New Japan uh, kind of in this blender. (sighs) And now I got to deal with stuff that I like, but it's usually like, you know, one or the other. There's Rocky Road and there's fucking Neapolitan. Tony Khan's best book storyline wasn't even booked by him. It was booked by the Briscoes and, and FTR. And half of it, most of it wasn't even fucking allowed on TV. So, uh, and I, yeah, I'm going to take a direct shot at this. Tony Khan was not the best booker of last year. It's not even fucking close. Uh, they didn't do as well as WWE in any realm building up to their big pay-per-view, which is coming in six weeks. Forbidden Door was an absolute fucking disaster. Yes, it had good wrestling on it, but it was an absolute fucking disaster. Granted, injuries were there. The CM Punk clusterfuck, as a booker, that doesn't happen to you. Should not happen. You should not have to, like, suspend four of your biggest stars headed into the new year. Uh, Fuck out of here with this. Tony Khan was the best booker. (laughs) Give me a headache. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> and you can't even say he's the best booker of the ring of honor shit. Cause like I said, I think the Briscoes and FTR just work themselves into a shoot match at some point. Cause that was all fucking. If anything, you should look at impact a company that didn't strive well or stardom a company that didn't strive well and look at their bookers and say, Hey, maybe they were the best bookers of the past year because I think they made the biggest jumps of improvements. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that WWE should be the best because you didn't get a full year of Triple H. That's a good point. But for the most part, yeah, actually, that's a large chunk with Vince. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, I don't know how Tony is. I guess I don't know, man. This the, who who won the 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 match of the year? Match of the year was Okada versus Osprey, which I I that's uh, a great match. It was a great match. It, I think that's a to, that's a coin toss between the dog collar match between FTR and the Briscoes. So, and yeah. they both were in the top five, so I can't really complain. Like the actual best match category is the only thing that made sense in that fucking award ceremony to me. And I guess um, most improved was the acclaimed best tag team was FTR. Those made sense. Um, like bet, like best or best wrestler being Moxley, you could definitely make the argument for it because I feel like he dealt with a lot of bullshit this year, where he had to drop the title and then immediately win it back, and that is a very hey, go on vacation again. Now come back. Now go on vacation. <laughs> come back. Yeah, but uh, you know, to me, best if you're saying best wrestler is in ring quality, and they have a separate thing for that. Uh, so if you're just saying best overall wrestler across the board, it's Roman. And anyone who voted any different than that is kind of suspect in my mind. Um, yeah. Between, the, it, e- even with everything else going on in WWE, Roman was still the constant and it was still the biggest product and still sells more merch than anyone else in built out Sami Zayn and <laughs> like six matches. Cody directly back on course. Um, yeah. Either him or Okada, I would say, over Moxley. Yeah, Okada, once again, he's kind of like Reigns. He's the constant. I mean, I feel like you have to pick an ace. I, I mean, Moxley was AEW's ace, but it wasn't their chosen ace. And Adam <laughs> is not going to be their ace. <laughs> you know, like the cho- an ace the chosen ace was Punk, but he keeps getting injured. <laughs> and then trying to fist fight people while eating muffins. <laughs> so definitely not him. <laughs> I just want to, like, after all this really awkward shit and tension, and my boss is right here with his eyes bulging on his head, I just want to, like, put over the Chicago muffin place. They're the best. Uh, these, these fucking seltzer waters are amazing. I love muffins. I'm in so much pain. You guys should totally come talk to me after this. That would be... Hey, hey, Nick Hausman, you look completely just like a pussy, so let's talk real quick. <laughs> Fucking, you know what? Still shout out to Brian Alvarez. I mean, like, fuck you. I didn't say that. I didn't uh, say that. You're taking. Yep. <laughs> what I said was. Yeah. Punk's like, okay, well, all right. <laughs> hey, hey, Brian, is this, is this. Oh, no, that's Peter Griffin. That wasn't Dave Meltzer. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but fuck, like, like, fuck Meltzer for not saying anything either. Like, you know, like. You sh- he should have said something. You're you're the you're the top tier media guy, dude. No, I, you should have been right. like punk. It no one no one was out here defending Colt Cabana or whatever like fucking weird storyline CM Punk got in his head of what wrestling media was doing because at least PW Torch and F4W, which I think are like kind of the top top of the list. Then you got like Wrestling Inc. and Fightful Select, I guess, underneath them. Like, mm-hmm. none of those places were like, you know, fuck CM Punk. I mean, I think they were like, hey, maybe don't go do a shoot interview because you should be above that in your career. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, but none of them were like fucking burying his, like, burying Punk or anything. I don't know. No, I don't. You know. He's got he's got issues, man. 
Maybe he needs to smoke weed. I don't know. Could just be. I can't. Hey, remember the night though that he came to the ring and everyone was having a great time. This is not the first time. It was a couple times in, and he put his arm around one dude and he offered him his beer. And Punk looks at him like, "Duke, I'm fucking." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Well, is there any else? But, anything else uh, on Dynamite you want to talk about? Um, just like a Punk's gonna come back and get injured again. Like this man has spent more injury time in AEW than he has his actual contract. That might get tacked on unless they're like, just please, just go. I mean, hopefully, I don't know. Well, right now he's getting paid to just sit there, so they're gonna tack the injury time on unless they buy out his contract. And it has been discussed. They have Tony Khan has full. He he can put fucking Punk back on TV. You know, I'm sure he's not going to force him to, and hopefully cooler heads prevail. But Punk does have a little bit of time. He should be back in injury, and there's going to be a chunk of time where, you know, if he has to go to work, he's got to fucking go to work. He's under contract, so. Your hand okay, baby? Yeah, sorry, I was talking to the wife. She uh, cut her hand. Oh, that's not good. I think everything's okay. Yeah, I think everything's okay then. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, now it's it's a weird one, man. I don't know what like I don't know what AEW is going to look like in 6 months. Um, I'm scared. Dude, I'm scared it's... that in a year Triple H is not involved in WWE anymore. It's bought by some fucking company and also AEW is even more scatterbrained. That's a very big possibility. We just had a good time period, too. Let's just hope that doesn't happen. Because if it does, we're not going to have a fucking show anymore. I'm not dealing with it. Yeah. It's so, you know, like Tony Khan is one best booker, what, three years in a row? And I think the first two years, that's not, that wasn't a bad choice. This last year, I think he was presented with issues related to contracts, issues related to to injuries issues related to maybe doing too much too quickly um that you see wwe and impact in the past get presented with right and uh yeah. how they rebound from this is is how good a tony khan is a, as an actual booker you better watch uh, there was back, something though. on this show that i <laughs> watches back because triple h once he gets this uh no stock no I- money maybe he starts a Start his own company. No, I'm just saying, like, we forgot about Gato. He might just, like, slip in and just beat the shit out of Tony. Maybe he won't, He thinks that he should be back to being best booker like he used to. New you Japan know? had a down year, and it, a lot of it had to do with injuries, and a lot of it had to do with crowd support. I thought the G1 was fucking good this year. Gato is normally the guy that wins it. The G1 was good. Wrestle Kingdom was good. But he did. He got voted. They got voted below uh, New Japan as best per. Or uh, voted below WWE as best promotion. Damn. And uh, That's crazy. also best, be, like Stardom was number two on best promotion. Um, and I think that that's like, I guess if you're looking at the year and quality of shows and everything, Stardom did have a really good year. But isn't best promotion just the promotion that makes the most money each year? I think that definitely like, has that something kinda, to do with it. Isn't that kind of hard to argue with? especially if you have a best booker <laughs> like because that's separate right and you have best matches like best promotion would be the promotion that made the most money and that would be wwe uh hand over fucking fist 
but we are looking at it retrospectively. You know, those vote that realistically the voting kind of stops at the end of uh, November, and WWE has gotten real hot. So it's just weird. It's just fucking. Uh, to go back to Dynamite, though, there was something I loved about Dynamite. Uh, the What's heels that? tried to run away from Jamie Hader, and Jamie Hader was like, nah, fam, <laughs> and chased them down and caught them. They normally don't get caught, <laughs> and Soraya was running as fast as she absolutely could. Turns out Jamie Hader's a, a leopard, <laughs> or a cheetah, and caught her and whipped that ass, and then we went to commercial. And I was like, why are we going to commercial right now? I felt like uh, Hank Moody in Californication. He was like reading that guy's screenplay. And he's like, why the fuck are we fading in? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish I wish I knew Max Caster's rap against uh, Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Because that shit was funny as hell. Um, that's another problem I had with the show. He got his eye taken out. And uh, we just moved on to the next thing. So I'm hoping he's wrestling in an eye patch next week. Sanjay Dutt stabbed him in the eye with a pencil, right? I don't even know, man. Um, uh, so, yeah, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal are out of tap match. We're going to have another one. Um, you know, pretty big. That was a good battle royal. Double J. Uh, Ray yeah, Phoenix double J and Jeff. Rope. I was going to say, do you think that they're going to double J and Jeff? Do you think they end up getting the tag titles eventually? Yeah, I could see them running with it for sure. Or double J and J, sorry. <laughs> the triple J, triple J. You know, it's crazy in a match that you get more blood taken out of your body than John Moxley, but evil. <laughs> My God, it was <laughs> pulsating out of his head like his heart, like when his heart was basically beating. That's how bad he was bleeding at first. And Moxley was bleeding. There was blood everywhere. And it was all mayhem. And Adam Pay- like, So I guess the Blackpool Combat Club are heels. I don't fucking know. Hey, here's the biggest question. Why the fuck are they called the Blackpool Combat Club? William Regal is not in it anymore. Um, and is Brian Danielson, when did he leave exactly? It's all the questions I have. But uh, Evil Luno, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, like what did he do? Ask the ref to open him up? I didn't see where he opened himself up. Did he ask the ref or did he ask like uh, John Moxley? Which is a and you know some of these guys. I'm wondering if they know how to blade. Uh, Well, well, he's a mask. He's a masked wrestler, so probably not. Like I would think he does that that often. Was he masked when he was with Super Bros? I can't remember. Yeah, no, and Moxley ripped his mask to be able to do it enough. Like Luchador, Lucha Libre style, but I don't know if he's got too much experience because he had a fucking gusher that looked pretty bad. But you know, yeah, I got. He should have asked Pentagon how to do it through the mask. Pentagon did a very good job of it in that Hell in a Cell or whatever that cage match he had with the Bucks. And then he bled yeah. all over his kids. Remember that? That was pretty good. <laughs> he did bleed on his children. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, just... <laughs> well, he won the tag belts. It was a happy celebration moment, but he definitely bled all over his kids. <laughs> oh, Ricky Starks, uh, bested Chris Jericho. I don't want to know. I hope we're done with this after the pay-per-view. I really do. But I like how it was Ricky was 
anyone besides Chris Jericho, kind of knowing Jericho's ego, him coming there, and him like basically, it, it reminded me of, of uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, basically like you know, I, rabbit I, I season. Can't, I can't. I, <laughs> duck season. Uh, I can't remember the fucking uh, promo. <laughs> I can't remember if it was this week or last week where they had the whole Jericho Appreciation Society back doing a promo and they were coming up with different like, uh, you know, so-and-so Ricky Starks or whatever. <laughs> uh, what, what, is his, what, is, what is his gimmick? And, like something Ricky, what, what is the, 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 the synonym? For oh, like, damn absolute. it. Absolute. Yeah. So it was like absolute ass, <laughs> absolute this. <laughs> And then they got to Jack Swagger, and he was like, I absolutely love this hat. And Jericho corpsed, and it was the most funny thing <laughs> I've seen in a long time. Because he's still trying to mean mug, but you could tell it popped him. And and, and Jack knows, and he's just looking at him like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> it's really funny. Go back and, go back and watch it. I'll check it out. I'll, That's... I laughed for like 15 minutes. It's on the new Botch of Mania as well because they caught it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I oh, absolutely Lord. love this hat. <laughs> I like his gimmick as a hat. <laughs> Jericho gave him one thing to focus on. <laughs> he was like, you're terrible at promos. Focus only on the hat, bro. He's he's like a fucking guy from, um, oh man, Lenny, who accidentally kills a girl at the end of the, of the book. Um of mice and oh, men. Uh, the rabbit? <laughs> the <laughs> rabbit? <laughs> yeah, of mice and men. He just breaks the <laughs> rabbit's head. Um, yeah, but so so basically this whole entire thing was to get Chris Jericho to sign a contract that he'll have a match with him with stipulation that there's no Jericho Appreciation Society uh, at ringside. So they got that match. And then afterwards, Ricky kind of like gave like a wink wink like that was the whole point of that whole thing so but I do like the little throwback to him giving him the pen and Chris Jericho like you know I thought I, I thought Ricky was about to make the list so he, he definitely did that very dramatically so that was a nice little throwback from uh, Y2J um, but yeah alright Ricky Starks is another guy I think that is over enough they could be a uh, opponent for MJF if if utilized right coming out of this. Well, look how big he got just for that build up to that, uh, whatchamacallit, dynamite against MJF. I thought he was on fire. So, yeah, go back to that. I think Ricky would be a very great person to do that with. You're right. Well, this goes back to what I originally said when they did that. I was like, I would have him beat MJF for the ring and keep the ring and have MJF like eventually come back around till I want my ring back. So that you would be able to set up that match, but they didn't do that. Right? Like he wins the ring, he keeps the ring and gets the title shot, loses to MJF, and then you could come back around to it. Uh once again, Tony Khan, not best booker. Because <laughs> that would have been your setup coming out of whatever, because they're not gonna do Brian Danielson again. And I really don't want to see Moxley versus MJF, which kind of means Hangman needs to win this match. And uh, Hangman, if Hangman, if Hangman goes level. against fucking MJF, MJF is gonna butcher him, um, like <laughs> verbally. Like, you think the promos are bad with him and Punk, man? Fuck that. Hopefully, um, he does butcher him, and we get drunk cowboy again. 
I miss Drunk Cowboy. He was the best, dude. That's when he was like the ace of fucking AEW. Drunk mess. Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> he gets berated so hard he goes back into drunk cowboy mode, and everyone loves Hangman again. Cowboy shit. Uh, All right, so I, Rampage. I mean, they'll have good matches, but who knows? Yep. Rampage definitely should mention that the match between Aussie Open and Young Bucks was fucking awesome. Uh, very fast paced. Um, but I, I just like Aussie Open since I've seen them with Will Ospreay because they've got they mix the indie style, but they also have a lot of technical aspects to their game as well. So they can slow it down. And, you know, the Young Bucks are a great person to put against anyone like that. Obviously, we've seen that in the past with FTR and lots of other groups. But these guys are great. And uh, it was a 16-minute match. Took up most of the uh, show itself. Um, Chris, what did you think of it? I actually think this is one of the better rampages we've seen in the past two months. Like, maybe even longer. I thought this was a great match. Aussie Open's awesome. Um, yeah. They're not there full-time, and they're also not in the Battle Royal for the titles unless they're one of the Joker slots. Which they may be. Maybe it's FTR and Aussie Open, right? No, mm. wait, they already did one, so... They already did one of the Joker slots already, which... Yeah, so, I mean, I think FTR is the next Joker slot that'll slot into whatever that four-way tag match is, which I don't care about, because, like, four-ways suck already, and then having, like, eight fucking people in a four-way How about having match, a battle royal to determine the tag team for four-way? That's what I was getting double at. The fun, double the fun. Well, after that happened, we had everyone at ringside, Kenny Omega with the Bucks. Lights go off. And this is actually pretty impressive because, you know, they didn't have a lot of time in between one of the flashes, but they come on. All three of the members are there and they go off. They come right back on. They're gone. So we're definitely building up to House of Black against the Elite. That should be fun. I just want to see Kenny and Malachi have a singles match, but whatever. Well, I just I'll get... I just want a metal I want a metal ass tag team that's into weird stuff that doesn't like use lights to appear and disappear. I think it's an old trope at this point. Yeah, you know WWE and ECW definitely kind of did that to death, and now we're still doing it. Um, but it was it was fine. I mean, it sets up their match at the pay-per-view. I'm assuming House of Black is going to win that just because there's a lot of better things that you could do with Bucks and Kenny than have them fucking doing trios matches, especially because you've broken up a lot of the groups that were there. Like the idea for trios titles when your tag team division was hot and you did have a lot of groups like, you know, Jericho's group and Dark Order and. Andrade's group, like none of these groups, like like Eddie Kingston, Dark Triangle, like you had a lot of room to do those now then, but like a lot of those things are not together anymore, so it doesn't even make sense to have those as title belts. Yep. All right, we kind of talked about the ending with uh, the baby faces chasing off the heels, but Tony Storm defeated Willow Nightingale. Good match, very short. Bullshit was within it. It's more involving this, you know, the the homegrowns versus the the outsiders. Can we call them the outsiders? Is that legal? I don't fucking know. 
I mean, like literally none of the people involved in this angle, maybe outside of Burt Baker, I would consider homegrown. Um, <laughs> Tony bought Ring of Honor, so I guess Willow Nightingale is homegrown. Uh, it doesn't. It's it's yeah. it's just silly to me. Soraya yeah. running from fucking uh, <laughs> trying to run away from Jimmy Eater was the highlight of this. Willow Nightingale super over, and after they get through whatever this WWE thing they're doing is, uh, she should be heavily considered for a huge push and to the main event picture, or at least against Jade Cargill, maybe give her the win over Jade Cargill or something. Cause I feel like that she is uh, one of their top female stars. The fans are behind her. She's good in the ring. I think she can hang with anyone that's there. Um, but you know, every time I say something like that about someone, they get cursed. So I probably should have said it out loud. <laughs> and now, She's cursed. Good job, man. Jimmy uh, Hader's um, still fucking awesome, so I'm. She's gonna retain the belt for quite a while. I still think that's a Mercedes Monet thing down the line. Jamie Hader. Love that idea. So Triple J attacked the Acclaim and Billy Gunn. You kind of talked about it a little bit. There was a figure four from Jay Lethal and Max Caster, while Sanjay looked like he was trying to take his eye out with a pencil. And thank God we didn't see the eyeball bulge out of the head like WWE did to us. Yes, I still remember that. Uh, and then Jay Cargill basically said, you bitches ain't shit. And, uh, yeah. I wish Jay Cargill would come with bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks down to the ring. Bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. <laughs> uh, the rest of that song, I mean, <laughs> that part's not even fucking okay. But, like, the rest of that song, <laughs> it just gets worse. Um, you right, ever so- heard the... Uh- you ever heard the cover that Ben Folds does of that song? Yes, I have. He's a maniac. He's a fucking <laughs> maniac, man. Uh, all right, Lance Archer with Jake Roberts killed this dude. Uh, his name was Bryce Saturn. He's probably on that planet now. Less than two minutes. I miss Lance Archer, man. It's nice seeing him. Two-minute match, uh, Jake Roberts back. Are we not going to see him for another four fucking months again? Like, what the hell? Also, my worry about Brian Danielson going to the G1, because Lance Archer went to the G1. They booked him very well. He had great matches. He was one of the top people coming out of the G1. He didn't get to the finals, but he was there in conversations for it throughout the entire tournament, and they've done dick all with him. So, (laughs) No, I agree, but one thing... Obviously, Brian Danielson is like Lance Archer is not Brian getting, Danielson. Getting paid more, he's getting paid more money. So that, yeah, that that too. Like he's a bigger <laughs> star. Even though I like Lance a lot, I mean Lance just has that Bruiser Brody mentality in the ring. Like it's it's great. But uh, we don't. Well, Lance Archer enough. could be a he could be a bigger star if you fucking booked him properly yeah, and no didn't shit. give him six months off TV. Like he's shown in New Japan that he can be a big star and he's a good wrestler. And you put him with you put him with Jake Roberts for the love of Christ. So it's not going to be like a promo. Like that's and, on you as a company, best Booker. <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense, man. All right. Um. Next up, we had Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes. And Keith Lee looked like uh, Mordecai. He had like a white fucking like Pope robe. His hair's now just like completely whited out. 
Uh, I don't know what the hell is that, but they're going to go against Swerve Strickland and Parker Bardot on Rampage next week. Yeah, this kind of weird shit where Keith Lee's doing stuff like this makes me realize what, exactly what made Vince McMahon stop liking him. Because like, <laughs> if he was bringing if he was bringing these ideas to Vince McMahon, I could see why he got turned into like Thundercat or whatever the fuck his name was. Thundercat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, the pussy pouncer got... himself, Keith Lee. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not even. Oh God! All right. <laughs> Uh, but you get what I'm saying, like yeah, this is, if you if you if you if he would have brought this idea to Vince McMahon, yes, this is exactly how you end up looking like <laughs> looking like Karrion Cross. <laughs> uh, oh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm you're, say what it is, but so far, all the people that Vince have let go has not seemed like bad releases by Vince McMahon. Some of them really haven't, man. It's definitely true. Karrion Cross came back and he's done nothing. <laughs> and they brought him back Scarlet Boudreaux. Vince is like, see, I, I fucking told you guys. <laughs> Keith Lee. True, man. <laughs> I, I told him. <laughs> the guy knows. I mean, he, he's done it long enough, right? Like, we, I shit on some of the releases as well. And the, the only one that's actually proven like a, a good bring back right now uh, has been Bronson Reed because he's been pretty solid. Yep. Jeff Hardy turned out as a good release with WWE. <laughs> well, they 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 make their own value by, you know, their own stuff, you know. But uh, Miro, good example. He's done dick all. <laughs> I don't even know if that's Miro's fault because he's complaining just like Lance Archer was like. Yeah, I'll just not do anything. I'm getting paid to stay at home. They don't have anything for me. There's no creative. How the fuck do you not have creative for people like Lance Archer and Miro? Please tell me. But here's know. a guy. It seems like it would be pretty to, easy to have, with Miro. He just suplexes those people. <laughs> here's a person that needs to be in the main event. Action Andrade. Uh, so he went against Sammy terrible. Had a good match. <laughs> yes, he did. He had a good match. At the end, Sammy beat him. The go to hell, and Chris Jericho came and celebrated with his two sons, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. So he definitely likes Latin women, apparently, since those are his two sons. Um, yeah, it's that's, fine. That's par on course for Chris Jericho's career. He did spend a lot of time in Mexico and Puerto Rico before going to that's Japan and eventually to WCW, and then only working with Luchadors for most of his career in WCW. <laughs> His mic, his mic Obviously, I'm fucking. Uh, Daniel Garcia sucks on the mic. He's, <laughs> yeah, he, he sucks. He's at his hard ceiling of what he can be, unless they can somehow like convince us that he's, he's talking. Unless they can convince the... us that he is uh, the next Chris Benoit or something in the near vicinity of future. Like uh, he's good in the ring. Like don't get me wrong, the guy works his ass off. So not crapping on him there, but I think he has hit like whatever his ceiling is and we need to move past it. <laughs> Sammy Guevara is funny on the mic and has a look and is good in the ring and has shown that he can be like have top level matches with someone like Cody Rhodes. Daniel Garcia, he's had three good matches with Wheeler Utah, which is just like watching WCW cruiserweight good matches. So we need to shift the focus of whatever the fuck they're trying to accomplish with Daniel Garcia. 
Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so I got to tell you this. So th- this is just the matches announced so far because they listed what they announced stuff, uh, and I didn't remember this from Rampage. Last Dynamite going into this pay-per-view, and I'm sure there's going to be more added. First of all, we're doing the Face of the Revolution uh, ladder match on this instead of the pay-per-view itself, but Takeshka, Ortiz, Action Andrade, why? Sammy Guevara, Powerhouse Hobbs, Eddie Kingston, A.R. Fox, and Lucha Libre star Commander uh, making his debut. So that will be for the same thing, I guess, like a number one contender, you know, like they've done in the past. Uh, that's cool. Face of the Revolution for what? The heavy, the heavyweight title? I guess so. This is usually the one that's on the pay-per-view. So the um, only person that's on that list of actual heavyweight contenders is Eddie Kingston. So it's fucking yep. Kingston versus MJF. Either Kingston or maybe Takeshka. I doubt it, but yeah, Kingston would. And that's cool too. I love Eddie Kingston. He hasn't been around fucking AEW at all. So I'd love to see more of him and him and MJF going head to head and promo for promo. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Takeshka's over, so you could go that route as well. I just don't, well, I don't know what that build would look like since you're going to be another three months out from your next pay-per-view. All right, so I'm excited about this one, but I want to tell you the rest of it. And like I said, they could add some more stuff. But we have Orange Cassidy against Big Bill for the All-Atlantic title. <laughs> Hook going against Matt Hardy. If Hook wins, he gets uh, a match with Stokely Hathaway. Tony Storm against Riho. And Peter Avalon against Jericho on the Go Home Show. <laughs> What the fuck? Peter Avalon must be the nicest guy in the entire world. I don't know how he's still hired to that company. I don't know. Maybe he does like, something with his tongue on someone's balls or some shit. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he always comes off as a nice guy when he does interviews and stuff. That's what I'm saying. He's not bad in the ring or anything. He just has absolutely no look, discerning qualities. They remove Leva from his gimmick. He's Now he is just a guy. He's not even a guy like the pizza guy. The guy that was tossing pizzas. He's just a dude. Uh, so I would assume Jericho is just going to fucking leg sweep him and put him in the lion tamer. <laughs> That'd be the end of it for that match. Um, These are such, such random ass matches. Yeah. We Rio, who is Rio going against? Um, hold on, let me bring it back up. AEW original Rio probably going against someone from WWE. I think it was Tony Storm. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yep. So Tony Storm is going to kill Rio. She'll be out for 17 weeks after a concussion from her Tony Storm's ass. Um, That's got to be the best way to get a concussion, though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a good way to get a concussion? I, I, I mean, if you're going to tell me. I'll get hit in her in the face by her ass or hit in the head by a brick. I'm picking uh, Tony Storm, but you know. I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> depends, depends on the situation. <laughs> hit me in the face with a brick. I'll take that over. Uh, anyways, um, well, I, I I think that was a show, man. <laughs> 
I guess so. We'll, we'll end it on, on Tony Storm bringing a brick house. <laughs> She's a brick. If you, if you get a chance, man, add that in at the end of this. But anyways, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We have fun at Wrestling Geeks and Lions. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you're a new listener, we usually uh, record this on Saturdays and get it up by Sunday or Monday for your listening pleasures. And we, uh, you know, we're on everything from Spotify to iTunes. You know, just search on Google if you want to find your platform, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, or just search us on any of those platforms themselves. You'll find a way and listen to us every single week. Chris, say goodbye to all lovely people. You already mentioned something about Skates of Throats, but if you want to throw it out there again and uh, say whatever plugs you'd like to plug in. Plug it in, plug it in. Goodbye to all lovely people. Skates of Throats will be back here in a couple months leading into the NHL playoffs in which you will see both the Rangers and Devils battle each other out. Uh, Me and my co-host Keegan heated rivals so that'll be a fun conversation and we're also going to go over some classic hockey fights and uh classic rivalries because hey that's the thing about hockey is uh, as far as sports go you, you leave it all out there on the ice eh so uh shout out to the montreal crowd i think you guys were fucking incredible out there with Sami Zayn that friday and uh saturday at elimination chamber you guys were amazing and uh, outside of that, if you want to hit me on Facebook or Instagram, it's Christopher.r.patton on Twitter, Chris.r.patton. Or Chris, I, I, it's a, you can find me. Search me. You'll find me. You can find me <laughs> in the club. Bottle full of bubble manga. Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves on Instagram or Facebook. Hit me up. Let's have a conversation. Also want to send uh, some prayers and good uh, vibes for uh, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, he's in the hospital, uh, so Wrestling Geeks Alliance puts out positive energy for you, sir. Uh, but anyways, thank you guys for listening. Have a lovely day. And let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. It's almost like Coliseum video. Peace out.